Hailing frequencies are open. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play with the stream punks. What is up, my friends? How's y'all doing, yo? Uh, is that for a split second? I thought that was a Horgon. For a split, I thought because it would not be out of character for Gina to just be like, "Bam, Star Trek prop." What's up? I made this thirty seconds ago. Uh, <laughs> no, but while it's we were e talking about them. I was like, ah, my mug looks like one though. Your Ewok <laughs> mug looks like a yeah, horgon. Yeah, it's just an Ewok, but it also kind of <laughs> looks like that. So. Um. Before we jump into any announcements tonight, I want to give a huge happy birthday shout out to one Leland Cox and one Mike Fadden, who both, both are really good friends of the show. Leland, of course, our composer who composed our music for Shield of Tomorrow and has composed our music for Clear Skies. And then Mike, who is our dear friend at Star Trek Online, who has been one of our biggest fans and uh, promoters, and we thank, we love him to death. Like we love our friends at Star Trek Online. Thank you guys uh, for all your support and happy damn birthday to both Leland and Mike. We hope y'all are getting spoiled rotten. Um, I the only announcements that I had tonight was just to remind everybody to keep an eye on uh, the League of Whimsy Patreon. It is going to be making the transition to the Streampunks Patreon this month. Um, for those of you who are interested in that, we're going to have more information coming up soon. For those of you who are already members of the League of Whimsy Patreon, uh, if you have not been charged for this month, that is because Patreon has its finger in its ass and it's pissing me off. <laughs> Which is why I'm being so vulgar, <laughs> because I am angry. And if you guys are getting frustrated with that, that's what's going on. So hopefully Patreon will jump on that pretty soon. Um, uh, but that's the update with that. I don't have anything else that I need to jump on tonight, so I'm going to open it up to my lovely stream punks. What do you guys do? You, anybody have any announcements they want to make before we jump into tonight's? Of course, <laughs> library yeah. bar. I have, an, I have a I have an announcement. Go ahead. We do. Uh, on August 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, there's going to be a nerds and music uh, event online. Uh, it's hosted by the Double Clicks. I'm I'm reading the information too. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, and so uh, there are a bunch of different acts that are going to be performing, including the Library Bards. Uh, I'm trying to find out more information. Um, but uh, I retweeted I it on Library Bards. Look on Library Bards Twitter. There it is. Yeah, I, so it's it's on Library Bards Twitter. All the details and and how to how to watch. Ah, I think. Jonathan Colton, Molly Lewis. Uh, let's see, the the, the 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 Library Bards, a strong bad from Homestar Runner. <laughs> Yeah, lots of great guests that are. Colton's gonna be playing, huh? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, no, he's um, a pearl. What's up with you, Aki? Uh, on August twenty fifth, uh, I am going to be taking part in a very cool little thing called the Quizard and I, uh, happening. Uh, yeah, it's on August twenty fifth. If you give me just a second, I can pull up the email about it so that I actually have the information ready. I, I. I'm I'm doing great today, you guys. How how are you? Uh, really got my stuff together. Right there with you. Uh, <laughs> really got my stuff together. Nope, that's not the right. While, while you look that up, I can make a quick announcement. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, August thirty first, which I know is a Monday, which is the Blood of the Void um, uh, cast. If you're also looking for something else to watch in between that or after or bod i don't know uh jason charles miller who does his music monday show i'll be guesting on that and doing original songs of mine 
Oh, that right on. Never, that I've never performed before. <laughs> so that'll be fun. <laughs> right on. Yeah, JCM was like, hey, man, um, would you guys ever want to like do some like would you, would you like maybe do some guest spots on clear sky sometime like yeah yeah we'd love to have you well, cool cool man when is it it's monday nights what oh jcm streams monday nights we love you jason if you ever take a night off you should come explore the stars with us because we'd love to have you back <laughs> we would love to have you back my friend God, and if you ever get sick of clear skies, go check out Jason's music. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Don't do well, it. that's what I meant. I don't know oh. about you. <laughs> you, can, you can watch me sing after you watch Blood of the Void. Yeah, yeah, traitor. Anyway, I, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be uh, uh, a host uh, or a guest host on The Quizard and I, which is happening on August 25th from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, it is hosted by, uh, I don't know if y'all know a man by Dustin Fletcher, but it is hosted by his wife. Um, and I am going to be doing Star Trek trivia. I will be competing against chat doing Star Trek trivia. trivia. So if you want to come and see me get my ass roundly handed to me for Star Trek trivia, check that out on August 25th at 4 to 5 p.m. And I should have more information about that on my socials very soon. Uh, I kind of want to just like hang out in the chat and like try to guess the answers as someone who knows nothing about Star Trek. I, I, we, I, should, we should absolutely we should have a Bravity Star Trek trivia night at some Let's point. Let's go. Yeah, because... it's happening now. Yes, where every answer, answer when, no matter what you say, is correct. Yes. Oh my god, yes. You, so you say you is... So if, if I ask you who George and Gracie are and you just say the Borg, then we now have Borg <laughs> back there, and we're going to have to deal with it. Whatever okay. Rave says is now Star Trek canon. Yeah, it becomes oh, canon. Dude. Um, I that's guess that not how it works for me. <laughs> Anybody else have any other announcements they'd like to? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Miss DeVivo. Uh, it's still just the small one. I still don't know what I'm allowed to announce, but if you could go give Pixel Circus a follow, that would be really great. We're, there's some really amazing stuff happening over there. Like, don't know what I'm allowed to say anymore. <laughs> should we follow Twitter, Twitch, uh, YouTube? Are they all Pixel Circus? All Where Pixel should Circus. we go? Um, uh, Twitch, Pixel Service, Twitter, uh, Pixel Circus, um, all of the things. They just launched a Patreon as well. Um, so there are lots of places to go support, and they're all really good people. And um, yeah, that's all. Right on. Thanks. No problem. Um, I think that's it. I think we're good. Do we have any? Uh, wait, what? Why? What? Why? What? Am what? I not a special? Do I not get announcements? You have to raise your hand if you want to be noticed in class, Sam Dilev. I raise. This my doesn't hand count. So you need to raise your hand. I got swole this <laughs> my entire childhood. It would be it would be easier to, you know it would make it easier to see you if you would just let us see the guns then we couldn't miss it you just need to flex a little bit and then it blocks out half the camera will know that you're trying to say something what would you like to say Sam Bluff? yeah so <clears throat> announcement y'all may enjoy us the stream punks here on clear skies but we have also announced a good while back that with the successful Kickstarter of Descent into Midnight, we will in future be doing this awesome, sweet, hopeful, perfectly uh, streampunk aquatic RPG. It is darling, it is wonderful, and 
in the process of making that whole arrangement, we had the very great joy to accept into our Streampunk community, Richard Kreitz Landry, who is one of the co-creators and just absolutely excellent human who has been throughout the Streampunk Twitter net ever since to our very, very great joy. So, if you want to know more about Descent into Midnight, about game design from one of the game designers of this lovely Hope Punk game powered by the Apocalypse, then you should really join me tomorrow at 8 a.m. for my usual Morning People stream as it becomes an interview episode with Richard Kreutz Landry. Uh, so that is on my channel, twitch.tv slash delevely, D-E-L-E-V-E-L-Y. And uh, we're going to be talking game design. He is a punster. Oh, God. So I'm God excited. <laughs> and with that, before we jump into tonight's episode, I just want to say one last time, creative team over at Lower Decks, you should hire all of us. Okay, with that, let's start tonight's episode of Clear Skies. Welcome back to Clear Skies. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump into tonight's clean and totally appropriate Star Trek Adventures RPG, picking up where we left off. Wait, what? Um, I wasn't promised this. You were promised what? <laughs> what did you say? I didn't catch that. I was not yeah. promised a clean game. Thank you very much. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> um, Yes, indeed. So we're going to go ahead and pick up where we left off. Last week, a lot happened to the crew of the USS Ross. A lot. Um, give, left to their own designs, the USS Ross kind of decided to really pursue some agendas that had been kind of pushed by the wayside because of the events that were happening around them. The mission to complete this Dominion operation and capture a changeling really sidelined a lot of the things that the crew of the USS Ross has been wanting to complete for a while now. Things that are urgent, questions that have been left unanswered. Now, finally, that is officially wrapped up and we are past the aftermath. There was some consequences to some more actions that were taken, but it seems like the ripple effect on that is leading us forward into the next chapter of the journey of the USS Ross. 
Tonight's episode is Who We Are Part 3. And we're going to start the episode off with a very late night. This is going to be the end of Alpha Shift. Has ha Well, we'll say the end of Alpha Shift has actually been hours ago. It is late into the night, about 2 in the morning. So right about now, um, don't you dare say Funk Soul Brother or I will... I award myself threat. Um, you did it for us. I know, I know. I Does just, I needed to head it off. <laughs> so, um, about this time in the evening is Tech trying to keep himself awake in front of the computer readouts with Lacat seated about 15 feet away and floating between the two of you is Dr. Yada, who is almost like a machine because Yada just seems to work nonstop. His brain is constantly running, constantly spinning permutations of this design, of this device that you're both trying to build right now. As a quick recap, the engineering and science departments of USS Ross right now are dedicating themselves to developing a ping-like sonar-style device that could help them triangulate the position of an enhanced cloaked Romulan warbird. An electroradiation sensor ping, or ESP, if you will. Catch that ghost. Mm -hmm. Detect uh, Trillium D sense the uh, trail, correct? Yes. And as a quick recap, uh, too, Trillium D not only helps reinforce the hull of starships traveling through the Shackleton's expanse against spatial anomalies, it also has a slight dampening effect on sensor readings. Now, used in tandem with the cloaking device, it could, in fact, enhance a ship's stealth capabilities even further. Conceivably. Supposedly, the ship, the RRW, we're going to call it Spectre. The uh, Romulan trans, the Romulan word for it is Ahala, or Ahal is another way, is like the way of saying it's a Romulan. It's sort of the, the Federation translation of a Romulan word, but Spectre essentially is what it comes out to. And it's been referred to that at this point. So the RRW Spectre, if it is laced with this Trillium D deposit into its hull, if it's managed to acquire it and refit itself, it's going to be that much more difficult to detect, which is already problematic. And that's where we begin tonight's episode, with a lot of you working into the wee hours of the evening far past your bedtimes um, as y'all have been trying to refine this device that would be reusable, essentially. Not just a single, like, probe that's sent out, but more of, like, a, a, a way of, like, pinging with energy and getting read readings back. Like a sensor ping, essentially. You guys have been hitting roadblock after roadblock because even though the device seems to be working, the more you test it with small amounts of Trillium D, the more you're already getting interference back from some of the pinks. So you're running into the challenges of creating this device. Um, with all of this, this has been uh, a welcome distraction for tech. Uh, okay. To sort of have this big project to focus on and in it being that he is neglecting himself and his needs like sleep. Uh, you can also see there like questionable food substances around his mouth that have crusted over. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would like to not only use uh, like the focus that he gained from the Jashashian people of the subspace theory 
Um, and I know that we might not necessarily have a role coming up, but he does have a value that I would like to call into place uh, just to work on this project. So you can call for a role if you want to try to accomplish something for sure. Yeah. So you've got something I'm, in mind. One second. I just want to double check to see if you wanted us to do an extended task first before I did this. Um, I think what this is going to be, I would say this is you guys are setting up for an extended task, a big extended task. Got it. Got it. It won't be timed, which is the good news. Okay. Um, so, okay. I, yeah, yeah. So uh, I would say tonight is probably not the night to begin, unless, unless you tech are going to propose working through the evening, because the extended task that you're proposing is going to take a couple of days. Mm hmm. Oh, but he's so clearly making such good life choices right now. Yeah. Uh, so how about if I uh, bargain you or haggle with you for this? Uh, okay. If I stay up through the night and, and make a big roll now to sort of generate momentum, uh, could that the benefit of a success be that it cuts the time that it would take from days to maybe a day or? Well, you can definitely burn momentum to, to shorten the amount of time it takes you to get the job done for sure. So, I think I want to call for a role then to generate momentum to be able to do that since we're starting yeah, at zero. I'll allow that, yeah. If you want to use like going back over your work and scanning and double checking the, the, the math as it were mm -hmm. and setting up for what will be an extended task role in the coming day, yeah. Um, then why don't we have you, I'll tell you what, Tech, while you're sitting there working on this device, going back over, I'm going to say make a... I think this will be just a straight up con uh... I don't know if I have that stat. You don't? Oh no, I thought bullions came with that. Um, all right, I'm gonna say a insight engineering check. Okay, uh, what is the difficulty? I'm gonna set the difficulty at two, but you're gonna get, a, you're gonna get an assist from the Ross and you're also gonna get an assist from uh, LaCat. Okay. Who's well, been working on this with you? Um, I'd like to burn a value, and that's two auto successes, right? Yes. I'm still going to This is roll. the fastest I've seen anybody burn a value in one of our games. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I have a value called don't hear, listen. And I'm like, this is it. This is the time where okay. we're, you know, we're making the sonar. We're not hearing. We're listening to what the information is telling us. Okay. So, uh those two and then i'll roll for it um so the so whoever wants to roll for the ross uh okay then for aki i'm gonna have you roll computers plus engineering and lacat your your first of all your focus and sensors is definitely going to come into play here cool so I'm gonna have you roll your standard reason science. Awesome. This should start um, off with a nice juicy pull of momentum. You are gonna lose one after the scene leave, but you should generate enough from this that it's not gonna be a problem. Of course, now that I've said that, you rolled a one. <laughs> and one success, so that's two, three, and then how many did you get? So I had the two from my auto crit, and then I rolled one success, but also definitely canceled out by rolling a 20, huh? Mm, what a, a fun complication. complication. Okay. I'm going to so, go ahead and spin that complication right now. 
So we have four momentum because the difficulty was set at two. Mm -hmm. So four momentum. Four momentum. Copy that. You and the cat, it's, it's a quiet night as the two of you are talking in science and engineering, not really saying anything out loud to each other. You're looking at each other's data feeds on the computer. The only noises that are passing through this room right now are the subtle hum of the life support systems that are constantly whirring behind the glass of cetacean ops. And it does have, of course, that ambient roaring sound of the distant warp engines powering the ship. As you are working, you and LaCat are starting to come to the same conclusion as you're crunching the numbers back and forth, and you kind of have a moment where the two of you glance over at each other. The direction you're going with the information you have about using the Jashashian technologies of what you were able to accomplish from your scans of the Jashashian technology while you were at the planet of Jadarin, you're gonna need to for lack of a better way of saying it, you're gonna need Jashashian tech to do this. You are gonna have to, looking at what they've got right now, you're literally going to have to get into the guts of a sensor device from the planet of Jadarin or Jashashian science station. That's the missing, that's gonna be the complication. You're not gonna get your answers tonight. You're gonna get your momentum, but now I'm gonna add the complication is, is to, to advance this project further, you're going to need some help. Those Jashashians seem pretty friendly, right? I mean, they seem like it. Maybe this is something we could bring up with the ambassador. Establish some sort of connection. Right, let them do the talking. That's yeah. a good idea. Yada um, drifts down until his head comes to you about between the two of you as you're working at the desk and says, I never got the chance to meet the Jashashians. What were they like? Jovial. Jovial. Mm. A whole planet of chief techs. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> they mm. do the thing where, as a greeting. And we'll demonstrate. <laughs> we demonstrate, yeah. We do this. Curious. I wonder if they'd be offended if I didn't do that. Probably not. Good. I admit. It's very difficult for me to imagine me waving my pectorals at a new alien species. They tend to think it's cute. Mm -hmm. I, I can see how that could be a deterrent. Eh, gives them the wrong impression. I'm not mm -hmm. cute. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm not cute, Chief Tech. Okay. Sure, I, I need to sleep, probably. Um. Well, I mean, I don't think we can get any further without this this technology. We're, we're going to have to contact the Jashashians. You said the Jashashians had the ability to predict the emergence of a particle fountain through subspace? Yes, that was one of the main interests. That would be remarkable to have access to that technology, I confess. And it would go a long way with helping us map anomalies throughout the Shackleton Expanse. Absolutely. In some ways, their sensors were so different than ours um, that I'm I'm quite impressed that they had the ability to detect that particle fountain. So if there's any way that we can, if we feel comfortable asking them for that now because of our, our relationship with them, when we first spoke with them, if 
it wasn't the best of circumstances to ask them, even though I absolutely wanted to. Um, but I think this might be a good time too. Um, we certainly have the need for it, and it doesn't seem like we are getting anywhere further. Hmm. Yada's head bobs up and down as he nods in agreement. What time is it? Ship time, it's technically about 0200 hours. That's two in the morning? What are uh, time, I believe, yes. Like... What was What's that? that? What are Sati- this is Ravity asking. What are Satishan's sleeping patterns like? Um, They have shifts same as the rest of the ship. Okay. So Yada right now is way past his bedtime as well. Aw, thanks, but, Dr. Uh, from what you know of the Odanians, they tend to be more active with less need for a long stent- extended periods of sleep. They don't have to sleep quite as long as other species. Um, Odanians can spend about four hours motionless and resting and be revitalized from it. I love Odanians. Anyway, um, I, I think that, um, so Jane is slowly coming to the acceptance that like she, she might have done everything she can tonight um, after after that role. Um, I think that Orwell who's been keeping her company is also starting to like pick up the food crumbs that are on Tech's body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is happening. Um, she's doing nothing to stop it. Um, but yeah, she's, she's, going to go look at because she spoke a lot with the Joshashian so like her game plan now is to like pull up everything that she was able to get from them so far so that she can go into this conversation prepared okay. particle fountain. Beta shift is moving in and out of the institution ops from time to time so even though the lights are dimmed there is personnel in here with you all and occasionally you see a few of the personnel a few of the ox crew approach and inquires to whether or not you all require anything. Like a few of the science team just steps in and just says, noticing that you are all working late into the into the night, you get offers. Sir, do you do you want coffee? Can I get you some coffee or a racticino, perhaps? Ooh, 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 go on. Oh, I can. I'm happy to go get you a racticino, sir. Sure, sure. Um, you know what? I, I actually I need to get some rest. My my brain is not going to be any use. Hi, sir. And you, sir? This ensign uh, turns to you, the cat, and just says, uh, I... Quick, quick question for yeah. the person who is not the Trekkie. So I know Arakagino has often had a lot around, yeah. like, a Star Trek, but is it a martini? Is it a coffee? It's Klingon a coffee. coffee. Got it. Um, copy that. Uh, Klingon coffee, if you can imagine uh, what that is. Or if you're in Star Trek Las Vegas, it is the best drink to order. Uh, Jane, that that is good to know. Um, so is it just like dark brewed coffee? Is that is super that like- strong? You know, they really don't go into detail that much yeah. in Star Trek lore as to what it's like. Just that it gets referenced quite a lot in DS9. Mm-hmm. But I imagine um, Klingon coffee. I just imagine that because it i imagine it must taste very similar to like some of the more tropical coffees of kona blend Mm -hmm. judging from the atmosphere on on konos wow because i used to be a professional barista so judging from the atmosphere and the humidity and the environments like the jungle environments it's very it's very uh like 
near the equator kind of style. So probably Colombian blends, Ooh. depending on the altitude. But it's it's actually I would say I would say and bec- and let's just let's just say because it's Klingon, it's just a little overly caffeinated. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Klingon blood wine equivalent to wine rectogeno equivalent to coffee you know what i mean right. like it's yeah like exactly way I feel like especially because klingons have so many redundant organs if they're gonna drink caffeine <laughs> it's got to be able to really Ooh. kick some ass yeah uh, so it's like drinking jolt cola with <laughs> coffee and yeah and a four loco two four. Ooh. Two, two <laughs> um, so she, so the ancien asks her, and um, she just holds up two fingers. Um, Aye, sir. And with that, the ensign leaves, returns moments later from the replicator with uh, three cups of Ractuccino and sets one down kind of away from you, Chief Tech, to, to sort of like offer it mm-hmm. there if you want it. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad if you don't drink it. Sets mm-hmm. the two mugs down in front of you. Orwell immediately leaping off one of the computer consoles and bounding over that serpentine-like body, kind of doing this number as he bounds all the way up to the mug and starts sniffing at it and immediately rejects it. Oh, good. <laughs> Recoils immediately and kind of has a big nope effect and then bounces back over to where the food crumbs were. Well, you're not going to drink it. I guess I have to. Um, so she pulls the cup closer to her. Um, okay. And I think that she's going to turn to tech and be like, well, are you going to sleep then? You you seem like you need it. I think this is, I'm at my limit. This is all that we can do and we need this piece of technology that's not here. So I gotta give in to my body. I think that makes absolute sense. And then she looks at her Ractogeno and she takes a sip. Um, she has no intention of sleeping tonight, as you can tell. Okay. This, and if Tech will slowly back out and as the door is like shut, gotta listen to my body. I think that Jane has, Jane, so you know what? Tech, Tech leaves the doors closed and she kind of to Orwell says, I don't know how anyone can sleep while we're being stalked. And then takes another sip. Yada, again, letting the currents of the cetacean ops kind of float down. Yada, you notice that big eye looking at you from the other side of the glass (laughs) and says, Uh, I'm sorry, did you say we're being stalked? Dr. Yada, um, I feel like I've gotten so comfortable with you that sometimes I forget that you're here. It's not very easy to sneak up on a Cardassian. No, especially when one is 14 feet long and swimming right in front of one. Absolutely. Um, Never mind, we, we, I'm just gonna go back to my drink. It's all right, you don't have to tell me, but if it's stressing you out and someone is stalking us, my guess is the efficient play would be to make sure that the person who is most proficient at sensors on the bridge is well rested. Um, Jane looks at Dr. Yada and realizes that she's going to get no peace here with him. So she gives him a look. Okay. Says, uh, you are a very good friend. And then she takes both of the Rakshinos that one which is half 
empty and one which is completely full and uh she's gonna pack it up for the night as well but not but she's gonna finish her drink okay as you're starting to pack it up yada says you know jane i can see an order of events playing out part of being a scientist i think is having the imagination to look a few moves ahead and see all the possibilities do you want to know one of the possibilities i see as he floats a little closer to the glass he says I see tomorrow Jane LeCat, lieutenant serving on board the bridge of the USS Ross, is exhausted for some reason. And at some point, a very inquisitive and excellent problem solver known as Captain Sol will start asking questions as to why their chief science officer is exhausted, which will eventually lead them down to me. And when they ask me what happened, I'm going to say LeCat, double fisting Ractaginos, walked out last night pretending that they were actually going to sleep. And from there, I suspect you're going to get contacted by Captain Sull. And that's kind of where my imagination stops because I don't know exactly what Sull would say to you. It might be something like, Lieutenant, I heard you were up late last night. I need my officers well-rested, Lieutenant. I can't do humanoid impressions quite well. So if I'm doing a poor job, please tell me. No, your um, your your Captain Soul is spot on. It's very good. So, so, very good so I, 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 I'm, I'm saying all of this because you correctly assessed, Jane, that I am a good friend. <sighs> you see these bubbles kind of come out as this like pop of air. And from the blowhole. It's that brilliant mind that found us that class M planet in the middle of nowhere. How could I doubt a mind like that? Um, she roll insight plus command. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, insight plus command. Um, Come on, please. This, my is, a, this is a. What's what's the difficulty? The difficulty is one, and you're rolling against Yada. Is there any chance I can use survival as a focus? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if Yada pulls a knife on you, but um, yeah. not in this instance. No. Let me just pull yeah. out. <laughs> well, two successes still, though. Oh but man, it's been a while since I've had to whip out Yada's stats. Hold on one second. I've had these buried in the back of my folder this whole time. Here we go. Okay. All right. How many successes? Two. You know. There's not a whole lot of facial expressions a Satishan can emit. Mm -hmm. It's a lot in the body language, but also being directly connected into a translator so that Yada can vocalize and communicate with you. There are still ways to uncover that you just pressed a button. Yeah. Not a bad button. You don't get the impression that you've upset Dr. Yada. But there is immediately from the the jerk in the body language as he kind of le like it's almost as if he was a human if he was going back kind of with his shoulders rolling forward almost like he was trying too hard to play it off 
like <laughs> like he's pulling a Chandler like what are you what are you talking about like kind of like going back like trying way too hard to play it off clearly not used to being somebody who uses deception to hide an experience or something they've had but Yada says nothing after that it's enough where you hear a clicking sound and the start of a word that he doesn't finish and he gets quiet I wonder what you were going to say is all Jane says and then um, she I think her facial expression and with a combination of those words is enough she's not hiding she doesn't want to hide from Yada the fact that she has noticed that physical uh, reaction to to what she's just said so she's talking it as a I see that <laughs> I have made note of it and I'm going to go drink my two rack to see <laughs> you're like this whole thing I'm bookmarking it take care and we're gonna come back to it um have a good night Dr. Yada good night Lieutenant LeCat and she returns Orwell sounding after you yeah. The door is open. Um, for for the record, uh, we get back to the room. Uh, Orwell hates the Ractuchino so much that he knocks it over. So Jane only ends up having one of the Ractuchinos. There's back. that 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 dull thudding sound that glass makes when it hits carpet from a height. You turn around and see the Ractuchino, this black liquid spreading all across the carpet immediately of your quarters, and Orwell just looking at you. I think if I stay up, I have to clean it up. So if there's a reason to go to bed, I guess that's a good reason. And Jane goes to bed. You lay down in bed and you close your eyes. And just as you close your eyes, the ship goes. <laughs> Outside the windows of your quarters is the beautiful marbled prismatic clouds of the Mutaris class nebula that the USS Ross has been in for the past 24 hours. Hiding perfectly, but it's been a bumpy day and a bumpy night. Just as you might be getting past the caffeine that's coursing through your veins, the ship once again. But Which it reminds me for our TD, we are at yellow alert and have been since we entered the nebula. So I'll go ahead and make that adjustment now. Um, so this is this is not normal. Like Jane should be sitting up at the, the this is like an earthquake happening, correct? Uh, yeah, I would say like a like a one to 2.0 earthquake where it's there's just enough of a rumble for, and it only lasts maybe a second, but it's pretty mm -hmm. typical just from the, the ionization effects of the net. So Mutara nebulates do this all the time. They're safe to go into, but the sensors are inoperable and shields are useless. And occasionally it's bumpy. It also <laughs> means that if a cloaked ship ever came into this nebula, everyone's gonna see it if it's up close. You cannot engage a cloaking device in a Mutara nebula. You just decloak right there on the spot. There's too much interference and it interferes with the, uh, the cloaking device's functions. Uh, I think that Jane feels it, thinks about sitting up, and then realizes that, that there's no way she could be stopped as long as these tremors occur. And so that is truly what helped her get to sleep that night. Okay. So she's kind of cradled by the ship uh, and the fact that it like shakes. Jane, as you roll over in your bed and you're like, okay, this is fine. This is actually good. Yeah. But something starts to happen as you start to fall asleep. 
You just let her sleep. No. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Let's go. The last time you were in an environment where there was a low roar of thunder from time to time, the last time there was a rattling that shook you in your bed was when orbital bombardments were taking place on Cardassia Prime. Dominion fleet was in orbit, raining death down upon the planet, killing hundreds of millions of Cardassians. And there's a part of you that remembers what it was like to sleep underneath a slab of concrete while everything was being obliterated around you, knowing your brother was out there somewhere, knowing your family was out there somewhere, hearing the explosions and the fires in the distance, the entire planet being attacked. Um, so with that new information, Jane thinks she's going to sleep, realizes she's not going to sleep. Um, and she, man, she wishes she had that other Rappuccino. Um, do you have replicators in the room? Like, is it like mm -hmm. a microphone? You have a replicator, yeah. Great. Um, she would, what is she gonna eat in this situation? Honestly, crap, she's- You know, honestly, because of what I'm, because of what's happening to Jane right now, considering the situation, I think yeah. it's fair that I spend a threat for this. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm yeah. gonna pop off a threat, because I'm basically throwing Jane into, into some BS right now from her past. So um, I think it's fair to spend a point of threat. And so as a result of that, Jane, your eyes are just shot open. Great. So they're shot open. Um, she like thinks, sits up, thinks about going to the replicator, realizes she doesn't want to do that. Uh, she goes to a data pad. Okay. Um, and throw back to Lalu Bell uh, when we had that little like system of messages that she could send out, right? Um, Jane had sent, I believe, one message out, and it's still, um, it's still sitting in her inbox unresponded. Um, so she takes a look at that message. It's one word, it says boo. Um, and it's, it's still, it's still unresponded. Um, and I think that she's gonna prop up the data pad and um, she feels like you, you, you like she's, she's got, look, this is full on night sweats. She doesn't want to sleep. She knows she's gonna like, uh, if, she, if she goes like goes down, she's gonna have nightmares. Um, and so I think that she will spend the rest of the night awake. Um, looking at that message that she sent as well ago. And I think that she's just going to, uh, from one of her cupboards, pull out like uh, like a small cotton pad and go about cleaning each and every one of the leaves of the plants in her room. Okay. Yeah. Jane, as you're doing this, you're kind of like moving through and s some other thoughts begin to slip into your head as you're, as you're sort of dabbing the plants and going through them. This remembering remembering that that moment of celebration and remembering having having like a connection to some of the one of the better moments here in the USS Ross where everyone was really connecting in that moment has, does kind of remind you of watching Vren 
when, when you first met Vren, you know, throw up because he he had that drink that he couldn't handle, that meal, which gets you thinking about. It, it's, it has a snowball effect of some of the other experiences that you've had since you've been on the Ross. And it takes maybe all of like five minutes where you start thinking about the conversation you had with Yada and the M-Class planet. Which reminds you, waiting for you in the Shackleton Expanse, once you were all back there, there's an entire ecosystem of creatures that live in the void of space that you all have a database on now. Creatures that have not been explored or have only been seen briefly in documentation in the Alpha and Beta Quadrants and have never been seen again. Apparently there's an entire ocean of life living in the depths of space in this unexplored Shackleton expanse. And it kind of starts making the whole ship feel like you're in this big submarine out in the middle of a huge ocean filled with life. And outside the window, this marbled nebula, which at first felt a little menacing as it every now and then rattles the ship, kind of starts reminding you of maybe like a coral reef and the bumps the, sh the ship is feeling is waves lapping against the hull. This is a poetry that you're starting to put together as you're cleaning these plants that you've collected over your time studying biology and specifically studying botany and remembering that incredible M-class planet that's still there for you to visit whenever you want with all these genetically modified and enhanced plants basically growing around the planet, enough that it could feed a baby crystalline entity for years without it wiping out colonies. Okay, so she sees all of this and she would rather not think about the message. She would rather not think about what these tremors remind her of. And she's sitting there like wiping this plant and she looks up and goes, what am I thinking? I'm not gonna go to sleep. And so she goes back to Satishan Ops. Um, okay. Dr. Yada's still awake. Yada is still awake. As you re-enter Cetacean Ops, Yada swims down to the window and says, Yes? Surprise, I couldn't sleep. How did you know that Class M planet was there? You figured that out far too quickly with the amount of time that we had with what precisely that we needed. It does not add up. How did you know? I have to confess, Lieutenant, I was very impressed that you had the self-control to walk out an hour ago after dropping that on me. I was on half a racketino. That's fair. Hmm. Which, on the other side of the glass, comes out as this long, deep squeaking sound that echoes out through Cetacean Ops. And then you hear, of course, the whistles and clicks. What's that? I had this great mental, I had half a Rakuchino and I had this great mental visual of exactly what Captain Soul would say because someone put that in my brain and the things that can do to a person. <laughs> my answer to you is not going to be very fulfilling or it'll be very exciting. I don't know. Can I do like an insight check of some sort just to see what like what are they trying to say with that I don't know? Do they seem scared that they don't know? 
are they telling you that they guessed? Um, are they... Um, sure. I'd say insight command, difficulty one. He's not going to resist this. Great. Um, I'll uh, let you straight up. Uh... I don't think I have anything to focus if I can help with this. Um, in that case, I got one success. Okay. Yada, he seems sort of like someone who has surrendered to the frustrations of not knowing. There's this, there's this tone to his response that's just like, I wish I could tell you how I knew. It's kind of like the, the, the inflection you're getting from his reply. As he just sits there and hovers in front of you, floating in the water column and looking at you from the other side of the glass, the ambient blue glow shining light into Cetacean Ops, he looks back at you just rather quietly. Well, were you planning on sleeping tonight or you could walk me through literally your whole thought process? Because I know that I'm not sleeping tonight. I can tell you all the events that took place that led to that recommendation to Captain Saul. That would be perfect. Here's the data that is available. Precisely five minutes before the call to Captain Sol, every single member of my science team knew the location of that M's class planet, myself included. I can't explain it beyond the fact that it felt like we heard a song, even though we were hearing nothing. What made it particularly eerie is how we all gathered together at the same moment, almost as if we knew that the others had heard the same song. And as we gathered together, we said nothing to each other. I only simply felt a sense of urgency that I needed to tell Captain Sol precisely where this planet was. Since that incident, we have been trying to figure out what that was and why it happened. But there is no data. Nothing. No spatial anomalies detected. Sensors revealed absolutely nothing. Internal sensor data reveals absolutely nothing. Right now, the most probable cause is a mass hallucination, which makes no sense. That Particularly because it led us to a pinpoint on the middle of a map with nearly infinite possibilities. So, without anything to report just yet, we have been trying to decipher and uncover what exactly happened. And as priorities around the ship, the ship have shifted somewhat, we decided that when asked about it, that's when we would talk about it. But until then, let's investigate this and let everybody do their jobs. So far, we've uncovered nothing. I don't know how to explain it, Lieutenant LeCat, but me and the entirety of Cetacean Ops knew where that planet was. Simple as that. Maybe it was simple as that. Um, so no internal sensor data. Um, obviously Jane is gonna like type this up in a thing for Captain Saul. As um, you sit down, Dr. Yada immediately opens sensor logs and begins feeding them into the computer console next to you, showing you that he has actually gone through all the sensor logs of that particular period where you guys had found the in-class plan, detected the, the presence of the Tholians, detected the crystalline entity, 
Um, you're seeing all of the sensors and all of the timestamps basically to all of the readings that were coming in. Yada was running a secondary scan internally to find out what was going on. All you're detecting is standard issue, nothing out of the ordinary. Yada is basically feeding you all of the data that he's acquired through his investigations and feeding it right into the computer. This song that you heard, could you describe it? No, unfortunately. It wasn't like hearing a song. I don't know if I could adequately explain it to someone who is not a member of my species. I might suggest for you, it might have been like, this is very difficult. For, based on statements that I've acquired through my colleagues, we all seem to concur that it sounded like the like the absence of noise in the universe not in a frightening way not in a void like way like a cone of quiet almost as if the universe around us grew softer so that we could hear a hum but there was no hum I don't know how else to explain it I think that that is that is more than you know than nothing um I think Jane if I can be honest with you that when things finally calm down for us I would like to put in a request to the captain to return to that planet I don't have any reason to believe that more evidence is waiting for us there to uncover how it is that we knew the location. But it's the odds beyond astronomical. It is not a coincidence. It would be impossible for this to have been some kind of mass hallucination. I agree with that. I, well, you'll have my memo to Captain Sol as well and my recommendation that we return to the planet when we have the opportunity to. I... And there was no delay in the song. You all heard it at the exact same time. Yes, it it felt as though it it was very brief. How long did it last? Do you happen to remember the time? It's difficult because looking back over internal recordings, it would seem that we all reacted to it and our reactions to it lasted close to three seconds. Mm -hmm. Experiencing it, however, did not feel so short. However, we all acknowledge that we didn't hear it longer than five seconds or so. I'm I'll sorry that I can't be more specific. We're still no, trying to understand it. This is better than going to sleep. Trust me. Can I share a theory that I've come up with in just the past... 48 hours. Absolutely. I love theory. It's completely wild, but I have to share it. See, ever since the event happened, I have been researching the history of my world, my people. The thing is, is 
the Odanians weren't the only ones in Cetacean Ops. We're not the only Cetaceans in here. We weren't the only ones that reacted to it. This led me to think, well, maybe if we can eliminate some of the other species on the ship. Indeed, mm -hmm. I can confirm that no other species on the ship heard this. So I did a little digging. Are you ready for my wild theory? Let's hear it. A little over a hundred years ago, or about a hundred years ago now. I don't remember the precise star dates. It all gets jumbled in my head. So much research, so many star charts. A strange alien probe entered the Sol system. This was the incident with the USS Enterprise. Uh, rather, the crew of the USS Enterprise, I believe they were in a stolen Klingon vessel at the time, if the logs were to be remembered precisely. But this mysterious alien probe entered the Sol system, nearly destroyed the entire planet. Are you familiar with this incident? It's quite extraordinary. Is Jane familiar with this incident? Ray no. <laughs> I would say probably not. Um, it, it's possible. I mean, it's certainly a historic event. And there is a plaque at Starfleet Academy commem commiserating George and Gracie. Okay. Which ties into it. But then, like most people, walk by plaques and don't bother reading into why, you know, what that's all about. Uh, Yada goes on a tail and begins to tell you about this alien probe that entered Earth's orbit. And a bunch of strange circumstances that took place afterwards, apparently involving time travel in the legendary crew of the USS Enterprise, brought back from Earth's late 20th century a pair of humpback whales, which apparently communicated with this probe and told it to go away. Which it did, and was never seen again. That has been a mystery to the science teams of Starfleet for ages until it just kind of finally faded into the ether. Yada's research, as it's popping up, he's looking for all of these anomalies. He started looking up all of the anomalous readings and, like, to describe the, the effects that he suffered as a cetacean ops officer. And this was the most exciting thing that popped up in his research, this historical document. And you can see images, too, Lacat. You're looking at the Golden Gate Bridge and a Klingon bird of prey sinking underneath it during a rainstorm. You see... Um, damage being done to the bay. You see images of Miranda-class starships floating without power in deep space as rescue crews are coming on board and pulling crew off of them. You're seeing all of the damage, all of the... There's this horrifying image of Earth's oceans literally being sucked into space. It looks like columns of water are being drawn up into the stratosphere and dispersed everywhere, causing type 5 hurricanes to develop all over the planet. It was calamitous. And this probe, Lacat, its size is extraordinary. If you were to compare it, it would probably be equal maybe 10 times the size of the USS Ross, perhaps larger. And this thing apparently just hovered over the planet Earth and sent out a signal. And you're looking at all this data, and as Yada's watching you look at the data, he's like, that is the quirkiest theory that I have. I don't know exactly what it means, but it is interesting. And those whales did begin the repopulation process thanks to the efforts of Starfleet Medical and all sorts of 
fascinating science projects. Whales were extinct on Earth for a while, humpbacks specifically. Thanks to the hubris and stupidity of the human species, (laughs) particularly in the 20th and 21st centuries. But whales found their way back. Well, yes, I mean, they were thrown through time, but they did. I prefer this theory to mass hallucination, if I'm going to be completely honest. This one's at least a little bit more exciting. It is exciting. Uh, Though none of us recall ever hearing a a signal. However, it's the only explanation we have. (sighs) Jane wants to look into this right now. She wants to go. (laughs) All right. So we'll say... Come back whales and like time travel and <laughs> to, to you lean into the computer jane oh, and you yeah. seeing a bunch of personnel files pop up in the science documents you see the legendary profile of mr spock you see his debriefing reports um you see a lot of this has been classified by the department of temporal investigations which is a new department in starfleet a lot of this has been sealed away so you're running into a couple of roadblocks, but the data that seems pertinent to the information of the probe and the whales is available to you. And you're going through it. You and Yada, Yada floats down next to you as you both start going through this and way into the deep hours of the night, you and Yada basically deep dive into some old data. Oh God, Jane's literally gonna show up at the morning meeting tomorrow, like, Frazzled, like, like, whales in time travel, y'all. 30 minutes into our episode, cut to the morning meeting as the doors open and the rest of the bridge crew begin to filter in. Uh, Everyone taking their seats. What's up, McCrell? I was going to say, does this take away one of our momentum now? Yes. Thank you. All right. They're done at three. Okay. So everyone's filtering into the morning meeting. Um, Just as people are sitting down, the ship rolls a little bit, just... Um, and Vryn nestles down into his chair and is getting situated. He has a cup of earth coffee by his side and he's moving things around, kind of type A-ing his way into getting his seated area nice and orderly when he glances up and looks at you. Lacat, Vryn kind of does the... Well, okay? time travel, Rakticino. I immediately, I immediately get a medical scanner out and start scanning <laughs> So, So this is the scene. Imagine this. So Vryn's looking at you kind of like, you okay? You just go, whale, time travel, Ractuccino, and a tricorder's like scanner immediately enters frame and just starts, <laughs> as McCrell just, just starts scanning you. Um, McCrell, without having to roll, you detect uh, mild levels of dehydration. Mm. Uh, and- you sleep are, deprivation. You are definitely picking up some of the signs, the metabolistic signs of sleep deprivation, for sure. Mm. It's, it's judging from the way Jane looks and how overly excited she is this morning, she hasn't slept. Yeah. She She's on her second wind right now. She's got a little bit of an adrenaline kick because of all the coffee and because her brain is like, we're going to sleep, we're going, we're not going to sleep. Well, then we got to look out for predators and other natural things. So the species brain is going to kick in now and yeah. you're going to be awake for three days. Like, yep, that's what's going to happen until I collapse. Um, it's or gone. until I knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> the approval of the captain going. I, I will, I'll ask the captain, of course, but I'm just going to prep a hypo spray just in case. 
Okay, you're sitting there programming a hypo spray when Exio and Sol enter the room. Olin and Tech, Prawl, everybody enters the room and begins to take their seats. Olin takes uh, one look at the cat and goes, oh dear. And about that point, Asmi Shanto steps in with her data pads and begins to pass out the, uh, the plan of the day to everybody and pauses when she notices Lacat's doing this. And Shanto just goes and continues passing it out. And then steps behind uh, Captain Sol in her like waiting area, if the captain needs anything, and gets quiet. Just kind of folds her arms. I look at what Lacat dragged in and Dane for the moment not to notice. Oh, seriously, were the whole of you not sitting here thinking it for 10 minutes? I love that a, I love that a cat joke came out, but it had nothing to do with Macrell. It never will. It will always be Jane. <laughs> My lieutenant commander has made it perfectly clear. She is not a cat. Jane, on the other hand. It's Jane. right there in the name. What am I to do with it? Mm, yeah. So no, indeed, I'm going to conduct a meeting because that is what we are here for. Okay. And the thing that saves face in the middle of a meeting is frankly not pretending not to have noticed right. that face. That's okay. how we save it. <laughs> so the meeting goes about the, the plan of the day seems pretty standard. There's a lot of maintenance that's being run. Uh, Chief Tech has ordered a second round of diagnostics done on both warp cores to make sure the plasma conduits are still functioning properly because those two warp cores, again, the USS Ross, she's a big, beautiful girl, requires a lot of upkeep. <laughs> so the engineering team is constantly at work and making sure all the power routing is doing is going fine. Um, Chief, as you are going through the data pad and reading through the, plaza, uh, the plan of the day, um, Yeoman Shanto steps up and says, oh, Chief, I've got, uh, I've got an update here that came in last night from Starfleet Command. Hit me. Um, hands it over to you. This is from a Tellarite named Diblutch Maron. You immediately, when you see his profile popping up and the, the lab coat on and the Starfleet ranking at from his time in the engineering corps, you look at it and you're immediately like, oh, this guy. <laughs> um, you see notations that judging from the feedback that he's been getting, because you've been uh, as part of the, because the Ross is an experimental class starship, you have had to do monthly check-in reports back to Starfleet Engineering to let the, to let the basically the fleet know exactly how the Ross is running and what her complications have been. You get feedback right now from one of her chief designers, from her head lead designer. Yeah. Informing you that you're doing a great job considering that you're flying in a giant plasma bomb. What's the catch? That he, after looking at some of your feedback, they can now conclusively state that the USS Ross will never be able to upgrade to bioneural gel packs to enhance our computer systems. There's simply too much power flowing through the Ross yeah. and the bioneural gel packs are just not adapted for the amount of energy that the Ross expends throughout her systems. Well, that sounds like a problem for bioneural gel packs then, not for hey, the Ross. You know, the Ross is not a science vessel by default, so this isn't necessarily a setback. Um, and I hear those things get infected, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
but with friends. They get infected with friends. Sure. <laughs> and Tech uh, is looking over at Jane, just wondering, <laughs> like, what the disconnect was. And he sort of looks at you and says, "What happened? I thought we, I thought we were going to bed." She turns back, and it's just times haunted. Did something happen to you on the voyage home? Uh, just, uh, ah, she's I'm rewarding sorry. myself 20 threat. No! <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. Okay. no. Yes. Um, <laughs> like times haunted and then pushes uh, the memo she's about to send to Saul towards, uh, towards uh, tech. Um, and, um... Time-traveling whales? Exactly. This, I, I couldn't go to sleep. It was... Nightmares. You know. About whales? About whales. You know, context would really make this clearer for the rest of us not yet using shorthand, <laughs> such as time, being haunted, and whales. Uh, I couldn't go to sleep last night. Jane, so Jane has been addressed by Captain Sol, um, and I think that Jane does take that, like, obviously, takes this somewhat. <laughs> so, like, would you like to share with the class? And Jane is going to now share with the class. Um, okay. so to Captain Sol and says, I couldn't go to sleep last night, Captain, and, uh, decided to follow up on a project that um, that had just been sitting in the back of my mind for a while. Uh, I was curious how Dr. Yada was able to find that class M planet for our small friend, Crystal. And um, Dr. Yada has some interesting theories. I have it written up in a memo. Um, there's, dang. The problem with having data pads is you can't have Ractagino like stains on the data pad, but- <laughs> You can. It's a physical object. It's a, yeah, you, I, I, and we'll cling on coffee, that stains everything. Okay, great. So this, the, the, it's, it's not very stained, but this data pad that she's about to hand you is- it's got a, a ring bit. around it? Like yeah, you've yeah, used yeah. it as a coaster without even realizing it? Absolutely. It's okay. that night. Um, uh, and Dr. Yada, uh, tried to explain to me what exactly happened. I don't think this should take priority, but it definitely, um, it definitely piqued my interest. And then she's going to pass the data pad, which is a full write-up of everything. Um, I'm more than happy to share it with the whole room too. Um, yeah, it, it definitely grabs your attention, Captain, because the moment you look at the data pad, you of course are seeing some of the legendary faces of Starfleet in association with a mission that took place well over a hundred years ago now. Uh, during, this would have been before the Kittimer Courts were ever assigned to the Klingons. This looks like an event that took place involving time travel. You do see that some of it has been flagged by the Department of Temporal Investigations. But for the most part, the data pertaining to uh, a signal from space, a mysterious probe. Um, real quick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause just for a second out of character and ask who here amongst us, I know you haven't, Sam, but who else, and, and Rave, who hasn't seen Star Trek For the Wrath 
the Wrath of the Whales. Who hasn't seen Star Trek Voyage Home? It's so good. Everyone, that is your homework. Go see Star Trek IV, Voyage it's Home. It's generally regarded to be the favorite. Of, it's but, so good. I've been waiting to see it with a best friend of mine. We'll see it. We'll watch it. It's actually unavailable. We should all do a, a Netflix watch or something like. We should all like. Find a day where we can oh watch my it. gosh! It's my it's my favorite Star Trek movie. Maybe it's, we could do that on Twitch or something. Like they do the watch alongs or something, and yeah. we can find it. But anyway, I just I just rewatched it last week, so this is why I was so excited. I'm, like the reason I'm asking talking, is because I'll watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's it for Clear Sky Things. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, is um. The reason why I ask is because I want to continue moving forward with the plot that you're digging into right now without spoiling too much for you. So um, you are seeing a bunch of uh, references to the original crew of the USS Enterprise A. This was actually before the USS Enterprise A was uh, commissioned. During uh, the whole event, a lot of it seems to reference a certain planet that has been blacked out but there has there's a lot of references that have been removed but for the most part some of the data talking about uh information that has come in through this this mysterious probe that showed up and began speaking to the whales or looking for the whales the conclusion was is that this probe somehow the the theory that let me put it this way the theory that captain spock came up with in this debrief captain is that this probe arriving on earth underwater this loud sound which it actually has an audio sample of in the data in the data that you have it sounds incredibly bizarre like sort of like like something being played in reverse just like this echoing loud the decibel readings are off the scale like if someone were to hear it in real life it would have shattered your ears however the cleverness of one Captain Spock translated what this would sound like underwater since this probe was aimed at Earth's oceans and determined that underwater it sounds like whale song and discovered that this probe had showed up to communicate with whales which had gone extinct on planet Earth due to whaling activities and environmental destruction of habitat. They were able to bring whales from Earth's past into the future which in turn led to the repopulation of the species, which was done through genetics and all manner of uh, re restoration for the sake of the planet. <laughs> they couldn't exactly keep going back in time to grab them. So two whales, one of them being pregnant, came back into the future and repopulated. And apparently the, the probe that was showing up to destroy Earth withdrew. That's all the data that you see in the pad. And this was specifically referenced by Dr. Yada in his search to find out and explain what he experienced. It's yeah. the best movie. Lexio had a question. Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, what is like publicly known about the temporal um, agency? The Department like, of Temporal Investigation. Common knowledge. Yeah, what's common knowledge? So is it just right. like, oh, it's the CIA. I don't know that much about it, but I know no. it's there and it does stuff, you know, like. Yeah, okay, so I'll give you a quick rundown of how the Department of Temporal Investigations is viewed right now in this current- Yeah, exactly, like what is known for us? You know how the FBI treated Dana and Scully? Dana yeah. Scully and Mulder? A out of character? That's kind of how the Department of Temporal Investigations are treated by the greater intelligence community. 
It's not that people don't look. Time travel happens. It happened recently on Deep Space Nine, apparently, when there was yet another interaction with members of the crew of the original USS Enterprise. Which isn't that surprising because any records that you look up, the crew of the Enterprise was notorious for violating temporal prime directive, which technically didn't exist back then, but were notorious for their time travel shenanigans and playing fast and loose with things. Bulls. And so they pop up in a lot of the references as you're scanning through this to try to get a sense of who the Department of Temporal Investigation is. But at this particular period in history, Exio, this department is kind of looked at like nerd squad. No one really takes them seriously, even though they actually have jurisdiction and authority to prosecute <laughs> and to enforce. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just for character clarification. Yeah. Um, is is the section of science in in which that I was created also viewed that way? You have not been flagged, at least not in the records that you can access right now. I just mean, do, oh. I, I mean, like, are we also looked at as like, oh, they're the, 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 they're the fun scientists. Like, they're the ones that make, you know, is it, is, is my creation viewed the same way as like Din and Scully being put in the basement? Because like, oh yeah, no, some weird stuff happens sometimes, but like, it's real and all, but... Is oh, it that, I see. Are, it, you like, in that, are you kind of viewed as that fringe technology? Yeah. Is is the attitude in which Exio? my field of creation is, is that also viewed the same way as the temporal? Um, Not really, agency? no. Okay. Holographic technology is incredibly controversial right now. Yes, because... that's why I was asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas temporal investigations is like, come on, how often does that happen? Like, why do we need a whole department for this? Your tech, your branch of Starfleet uh, lore right now, holographic technology is becoming increasingly controversial because what they're finding is what Dr. Nooney and Soong was able to do with data was kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Holograms are increasingly showing sapience and the ability to decision make and to create their own lives. The doctor is just one of a handful of examples of holograms that became self-aware and started making decisions. You are the next in that line. And so as a result, this intense conversation that, that pops up in Starfleet once every 10 or 15 years, once again, AI is being hotly debated and how what if it's responsible or irresponsible what it's going to mean do you have the right to create life like this like you're immediately going back through all of the conversations that you remember hearing in news reports people talking about slavery people talking about i remember about, yeah the day there's, the first day a, in san francisco there's a heated conversation that has never stopped ever since exio went into service i suppose there's also the more particular domain question relevant to holographics and temporal investigations of the known temporal uh, irregularity of the doctor's hollow emitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one assumes it might be time shenanigans as such might be viewed a little differently in Redgrave's lab, if only because there's very closely related irregularities 
there's definitely an instinct that there's a margin in which the Department of Temporal Investigations and indeed even Starfleet is willing to accept some measure of time shenanigans. They do it with exasperation and trepidation, but they also do it because more often than not, they don't have a lot of a choice. By the time they find out something has happened, it already happened and the damage is done. <laughs> like all you can really do is make a report and say, so, please don't do that again. <laughs> conveniently in this time, as we've discussed things, mm -hmm. we've also read the report. Yes. Uh, I also wanted to get in that tech is going to explain the next step in our process is getting some Jashashian technology. So I'll explain that to everybody as well. Also that. Um, Ambassador, is there a chance we could contact Dr. Yugos uh, on Jadaran? Maybe his work was what we based this technology off of. I don't know if you have any communication set up officially yet. I can speak to that for you as to help, Ambassador. Go ahead, Commander Prawl. The Ambassador, for all turns and swivels and looks at you all and just says, the Ambassador could indeed get in touch with the Jadaran people, but the Jashashians don't have subspace relays. We would have to be within their sector in order to communicate with them. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, we could move closer since... Mm -hmm. Detecting this ship seems to be a priority, and the longer we wait, the more it's going to be a problem. It is a system of triage, yes. Unfortunately, ja the Jadaran system is not exactly nearby here, and there are a couple of equally urgent things rather closer. In the meantime, we rely on both our Cetitian colleagues and our pilot to work through this nebula and dogleg us around so that at least they can't easily track us until we can get such technology. Uh, did we get anywhere with the neutron radiation surges as That's a means of tracking where they were, if not are? That's what we've been working on, and that's where we're running into this sort of technology bump. I actually have a suggestion. Would it be possible for us to take an away team, consisting of possibly myself, Lacat, the ambassador, and Bren, to go outside of the nebula? It might be safer for the Ross to stay here. Unfortunately, nothing we have can travel at fast enough warp. Everything we have is warp six or slower, and at the distances we're considering, it is. We might well beat you there. Might I ask what it is exactly that is more pressing and closer by that is keeping us from going back to the Shackleton Expanse right now? Uh, the what? acquisition of life-saving technology for members of our crew. All right. I don't follow. Vren leans in. Who, who, who needs life-saving technology? Dr. Willix. Jane leans over to like whisper the answer to him like they're Oh, is he a member of the crew? I thought he was Tal Shiar. Jane the... a look. Can she smack him upside the head right now? Yeah, you're gonna put your hand across the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't gonna do it, I was. Yes. Uh, Weirdly I'm looking away in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just gonna, I get up, I, I get myself a drink, you know? Okay. I'm, I'm gonna look at uh, I just Bryn. <laughs> what? I, 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 is he not? Is, did that change? I, I didn't... Vryn, whatever Dr. Wellix may be, he is currently a patient under my care and under the USS Ross's protection. Okay. Speaking of, Captain, um, today I shall be pro starting the procedure to remove his trill appearance. Good. We Is need your to shoulder healed up enough for a surgery of that length? Yes, it's fine. It's a little fine. sore, but you, you've got full motion. Yes, something like that. That's that's just a typical appearance. Surgery would not cause very much strain for me. As long as you're resting adequately, I would hate to see any of our officers' performances degrade due to any kind of medical conditions or exhaustion. I think at this moment, we all slowly look at LaCat. I look <laughs> anywhere else. I look at LaCat. Um, okay. But oh, I'm also- Cation's head just slowly turns and stares at you, LaCat. Uh, I agree, Captain. In fact, I believe um, the tense emotions of what we are going through right now might cause strained anxiety for some of our senior officers. And I'm just gonna like keep looking at like, <laughs> like trying to hit in case the captain didn't see. Notwithstanding, the point is where we go to acquire such technologies, we can't afford to have this ship on our tail at all. It's not a matter of detecting whether they are nearby. It is that by navigation and by flight, they simply cannot. We need a, it is, why are we are in this nebula, it is why we will continue an evasive navigational pattern until we can get that location, which in part will be dependent on adequate recovery from Dr. Well, well Sorix again, from what I yes. understand. And as soon as I remove his, his thrill appearance, I want to work immediately with uh, Chief Tech and Lacat on incorporating some of that Borg technology that I was working on with the regeneration of his brain. Yes, as soon as you have that, do submit the plans to them and also to the commander to share with me. Yes. yes. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to, to point this out, Captain. Um, ain't no Romulan ship out there that can outrun the Ross. If we need to get somewhere fast with by worrying if whether or not a ship is going to be able to track us, we can just do what we did last time and leave a Romulan ship in our plasma trails. It keeps them behind us, but it doesn't quite do enough to keep us off of the long-range sensors of such a ship. That range is far longer than our velocity differential that can build up over our maximum warp period. So if we can't detect them without getting the Jashashian technology, but we also can't leave this nebula in order to actually find some the technology to help save Sorex, I feel we're tangled in a knot that has no solution. It um, gives us enough to exit. This nebula is, I believe the number we got last week, Eric, was seven light years. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was an improbably large space, which itself is more than half 
the length of any long-range sensor that we currently know about of any species, including our own. Therefore, where we exit the nebula, we may be at the outer ranges. If we take a course out and then dogleg on a presumptive course, give it a few more zigzags at the Ross's most excellent speed and with all of her warp endurance from those two warp cores, we should be able for now to evade, not forever, but at least long enough to complete this mission and then go to the Jatteran system and get technology from the Jashashians to ensure that we don't have to spend our entire careers running. So, with that in mind, yes, this Odanian information may not be urgent, but it is a thing that we can work on while we are taking care of this navigational problem. I know there's a lot on your plate, Dr. McCrell, but if we're trying to find out how the Odanians felt this, there has to have been a mechanism of action within them as biological creatures. If it wasn't a, a hallucination can be induced by transcranial magnetic stimulation, what did this to induce the sensation that they all had? And what is that sensation physiologically within them? We don't know too much about the where the signal came from or how, but we can at least look at the receiver. Once I, can, once I complete the uh, surgery on Dr. Wellicks, he will need at least a day or two to, to rest and recuperate before I begin our other methods of trying to help his brain activity. With that being said, I could look into, I could work down in Citation Ops and see if there's something that maybe with the help of the science team we can come up with some kind of explanation for their mass hallucination as you go yes lieutenant tomorrow i want you on this first thing you understand it was a very good find particularly for an 0300 kind <laughs> of inspiration i look at the captain as like does that mean i have to uh, permission as uh, the chief mother globs officer to Request Lieutenant Lecat to take a personal day. Indeed, as I recall, it is your under your authority as Chief Medical Officer to do so, is it not? Yes, the uh, Captain, but I wanted to ask as a courtesy, and I just look at Lecat and I'm like, you need to go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm just gonna hand the hypospray to her. <laughs> You're handing a hypospray, and honestly, I think she takes that hypospray and looks relieved. Um, yeah. And I'm going to look her in the eye and say, no nightmares. It's basically going to knock you out. You're not going to dream. Perfect. It's going to put you in a deep sleep. Um, give her the good stuff. It wasn't direct to Gina's. Um, it's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. McCrell say, knock you out. Um, so Jane takes the hypospray and holds on to it and um, return, like, you know, returns to her seat and waits for them to be dismissed. Well, just just to be clear, and and just for player knowledge, it, it's not usually permitted for. You have to administer that hypospray, doctor. Oh, got it. You 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 can't. Yeah, 
You can prescribe medication, That's but right. you can't hand out the needles. You're right. I can't just be like handing out drugs. Like, hey, I mean, like, no one no one's a cat will go like into the bottom and be like betting it off on some bingo or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, we uh, do know that this particular patient has attempted to swipe hypospray before. Yeah. I distinctly That's remember true. having to remove one from her possession. Right, right, right. Rewind, rewind. I'm just going to look at the cat and be like, after we are dismissed, I will escort you back to your quarters and uh, help you sleep. Excellent. What else do we have? All right. The lot of you go into the rest of the plan of the days, but none of the plans of the attack that you have for the rest of the day while you sit in this nebula are half as interesting as the first 20 minutes of your meeting. As you begin to wrap up, we're going to pause there and go on our 10 minute break. We will be back at 8.13 our time. So don't go anywhere and we'll see you in just a moment. Welcome back. We have a new captain on the USS Ross. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, um, so this is I introduce us to our captain. Oh, I, I can't hear anything. Are you muted still? No. Uh oh. <laughs> we can't hear anything. <laughs> How about now? There you are. Well, I said, look, cat, go to bed. <laughs> You heard the order, Lacat. I guess you gotta go to bed. Like, I don't know if you're gonna argue with that, but I mean, it's it's the eyebrows. It's the eyebrows. The eyebrows will get you. you get instant mutiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Is mutiny when all of the rest of you force my auto audio onto mute? <laughs> um, let's go ahead and jump in back into tonight's game. When we last left off, we had everybody finishing up the morning meeting. Getting to today's events, we're gonna go ahead and have the surgery that you're having with Dr. Wellex is gonna go ahead and take place. Um, surgeries like this, this is not a role. This is not like a dramatic surgery of any kind. This is, and especially in Star Trek, this is in particular, uh, the, the frequency in which people can change themselves in Star Trek, it's pretty advanced and can be done with ease. So, you sit in the makeup chair for a couple hours. Maybe I mean, good. essentially. <laughs> so, as Wellix lays down on the table in that weird <laughs> TNG-style patient getup that they have, with the thing, the the bridge over um, his torso, he's glancing up at you. His eyes look rather glazed over because the sedatives are already kicking in. Mm-hmm and he eventually falls asleep. He doesn't really say much as you guys have brought him into sick bay. Um. Um, while I'm uh, obviously doing the surgery of changing his appearance, I'm also gonna be doing deep scans of, of his brain activity uh, because, you know, we've, we've been keeping con uh, control over it, but because he's now like kind of laying still and, and I, can get, mm -hmm. I can probably get some deeper medical scans than I've had before. We were also specifically okay. looking for evidence of implanted memories, which before we were not. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly why I wanted to run it because uh, now that we know that some of his memories may not be, uh, may be artificial, I wanted so to- So why do we do this? For the surgery, we won't have you roll. However, since you are about to run extensive diagnostic brain scans for the better course of the next hour to two hours, mm -hmm. I'm going to say, let's do a straight up roll on this. Um, 
And just for everyone, we're down to two momentum now because it's a new scene. <laughs> so I'm going to set the difficulty of this at three. I'm going to spend two threat to cause an increase in the threat range. Bring it to 18, 18 or better. And ah. actually, actually, I'm going to spend one more and bring it up because uh, every now and the ship goes uh, as you're mm -hmm, conducting the mm -hmm. surgery. So I'm going to uh, actually spend two more threat to activate a trait for the scene. Okay. So, uh, because the Ross is stationed in a Mutara-class nebula, the bumps the ship is receiving are rather periodic. Like, they happen with some regularity. So, it is going to make things a little difficult, both for the precision of the scans and the procedure. Not would in my... Quick study uh, talent come into place when attempting a task that will involve an unfamiliar, unfamiliar medical procedure or treat an unfamiliar species. Ignore any difficulty increase. Oh, I guess you're not increasing the difficulty. Um, and also, you are very familiar with Romulans, and you are very familiar with this yeah. procedure. So. Okay, well, you know, I was just <laughs> trying to pull some leverage here. Uh, I'm going to spend a momentum to get an extra die. I'm you could go get drunk and then forget, and then maybe I'd let you. Uh, Cations are actually allergic to alcohol. Fun fact. Oh, right, right, so right. that's why that's why uh, Dr. McCrell did not partake in the bar on Riza, because it would probably kill her. <laughs> They're severely allergic to alcohol. So the difficulty will be three. Um, I've mm -hmm. increased the threat range by three. And okay. assisting with this. What's that? Is the Ross assisting with this? Yeah, definitely. Woohoo! Definitely, Thank definitely. You... The Ross, the Ross's sick bay medical staff are assisting. Okay. I'm going to take um, momentum for an extra die and go for it. All right. What's the Ross's roll? The Ross is going to roll her sensors plus medicine. And I'm assuming I'm rolling control medicine? You're definitely rolling control medicine, yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to give you an assist from a nurse, however. So one sec. Good. <laughs> You're like, thank God. No, I mean, I'm okay, but you know, just a moment. Let's, let's whip out the ox crew list. Ooh. All right. Leah Sky, what a great name. Oh, I like that. Nurse Leah Sky, human ensign, is assisting with the surgery. So I'm going to roll on her behalf. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. So I I got three successes. One was okay. a crit. The other was a complication. Excellent. So uh, so that's three, uh, four with Aki, and what did our ensign roll? Uh, your ensign rolled a five. So, so that's five a success total. from her. So we have two momentum. Game, we have three total. Okay. Momentum. Thank you, Ensign Sky. Just as you say this to her and she nods, you hear the alarm chirping off on the medical bed that an anomaly has been detected. It begins to sound out immediately. 
which draws your attention right back to the life support. I'm activating that complication. Now we're going to have to make a roll. Um, the surgery is going fine, but the brain scans start detecting a anomaly in the area where the implant was. You're starting to detect unusual brain activity. And at that point, Sorex, as he's currently in, in the process of healing, like skin, obviously no bandages or anything. A lot of the skin just looks very tender. Lots of pink like outlines where the surgical uh, alterations have been done. So it looks quite sensitive. So he is like fully Romulan at this point by the end of the surgery. The diagnostic scans are successful. and The data is coming in now. But as you detect this anomaly, he begins to go into a small seizure. You see him begin to shake in the bed and immediately uh, one of the nurses rushes over with a sedative and a uh, muscle relaxant and they lift him a little bit to his side, but the seizure stops almost immediately as the medicine kicks in, just like the hypospray, just But you detect the brain activity um, begins to fluctuate. And on the sensors, on the readout of the medical bed, the wall behind you, you start seeing the brainwave patterns alter and the telltale signs of him slipping into a coma. Mm -mm. Not on my watch. What do I roll? Can I save him? I'm going to try and save him. Well, he's not dying. He's slipping into no. a coma. Well, I'm going um, to try not to have that okay. happen. Okay, so the first thing you're going to need to do is figure out what's going on with him. Okay. So this is going to be a diagnostic check to figure out what just happened. Okay. So first, I'm going to have the Ross do the same role. This is going to be computers plus medicine, or this will be sensors plus medicine. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry. This will be computers plus medicine. This will be computers plus medicine. And then you, uh, Bonnie, are going to, McCrell's going to roll her uh, reason in medicine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the difficulty here is going to be three. You are going to get an assist. Um, one of the other nurses is going to assist you this time because you do have a medical staff on hand here. So yeah. this time, you're being assisted by a Bajoran named Ahi Zayeda. Great okay. names, Ox Crew. Y'all got to come up with some great names. So this Bajoran nurse, she is there uh, next to you. Zayeda, uh, standing next to you, is also running a diagnostic, running this tricorder scan over his body immediately. Everyone is in serious mode right now as they're mm -hmm. trying to basically help understand what's just happened to Sorex. Uh, go ahead and make your roll. The difficulty here is three. I took a momentum. Okay. I did not need the momentum. Okay. It's, still, it's good. Oh. Well, maybe I... Mm -hmm. Your nurses are doing quite well. There's a success from her. Excellent. What did Ross get? Okay. No help from Ross, but it was okay. a regular complication range, right? Yes. Okay, cool. No complications. Oh, good. Okay, then never mind. Then yeah, no, no, no. Fine. It was just that one roll where the threat spend was. Lovely. Four successes. No complications. <laughs> so five successes. No, four successes with with your with my nurse. Oh, okay. So four successes. Um, so, so yes, we have what three momentum total. Yeah. So the readouts begin to indicate that. What you see, McCrell, as you look at the scans and as the nurses continue to administer the sedatives to make sure that there's no more uh, involuntary movements in the body, you're looking at the data coming through. 
And with the extensiveness of this scan, you're actually starting to see the level of deterioration that's physically happening to the brain. Okay. Storex has lost 12% of his brain mass. The um, lower left part of his brain is essentially literally disintegrating slowly as part of this sort of toxic effect from this rom this horrible Romulan device that was installed in his brain. Um, as we stabilize him, I'm going to um, call for uh, on for Chief Tech. Okay. Really fast. Uh, I'm gonna. It just takes some movement okay. to get there, Chief. Chief Tech. So if you want to arrive on the scene, you can. Oh, I could. I was just combating him, and but yeah. that's works too. <laughs> yes, you, you call for Chief Tech, and it yeah. only takes a move for him to arrive on scene. Great. I'm there. I brought the kit. Excellent. Uh, I'm just gonna look at him like Chief. We do not have time to test anything. If we don't act fast, we're going to lose all of his brain activity. I, I, once it's gone, we can't bring it back. And so much is gone already. I I need everything you have on the regeneration alcoves that you worked on. We need to somehow combine that with the dermal regenerator and, and make some kind of adaptable neural receiver with with the nanites. And I don't know what else we can do. Well, I, well, it looks like we gotta do this now. So I'll get to work. Well, on I ha we've like I, obviously I. Th I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've this is something we've been working on, sort of, sure. like because this has been this is something that we've that I've and, presented and to the captain. That's how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for him to come I'm, back. I'm so sorry. Oh, anyway, um, I'll let you know what happened next week, guys. Thanks so much for joining. <laughs> <running. laughs> um, so, we so Tech, going. you you walk into the sick bay, mm -hmm. and you see the nurses gathered around the surgical beds, mm -hmm. in the back of the behind the glass wall. One of the ensigns guides you in and says, oh, chief, she's waiting for you. And walks over, enters a code, and the door opens into the back area where you see the wall information, the brain scan activity. You see a very serious looking Dr. McCrell and a couple of nurses surrounding her. Sorex is back to the face that you saw when you first encountered him on Earth. Um, I look directly to McCrell because we have been working on this and just, I hold up a kit that I brought along and I'm just, it, it's time. And you can we see don't, what we've been working we on. We don't have time to test anything. We're just going to have to try. Doctor, if this goes haywire, we have to we'll have one to more day and one more day and he could have nothing. We can, I I cannot guarantee that I can bring him back once he once he slips away. There's no guarantee he'll come back at all. Doctor, without testing in one more day, we could have a Borg. Um, on your I'm, orders. I'm gonna call the captain. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna relay to the captain what decision we have to make. Mm. Okay. Because we have to make it fast. We have to make a decision. And how important is this information? How much do we want to save this man's life? Like, like this. Obviously, the answer for me is yes. But <laughs> the chief does put up a good argument. So we'll cut to the captain, arms folded behind the glass with you standing in front of them. Mm -hmm. Make your pitch, Dr. McCrell. Captain, 
I understand the concerns that Chief Tech has, and it, again, it is a concern, but it's either this or we could lose him completely. How likely is that? I'm just gonna show them uh, the scan of, of his brain. As like, it's not a matter of how likely, it's a matter of when. And it's too much time has already passed. Too much is relative. We don't, if you can't give me a sense of his risk, then I can't judge the relative risk of potentially putting my crew in danger or even putting him in danger. If there was a way for Chief Tech to somehow create some kind of kill switch for the Nanites to where if we've suspected something went wrong and we could do some kind of electromagnetic surge. That's exactly the kind of idea we can do if we allow ourselves time to do this properly rather than rush in because you're patient coded and you're scared. He looks bad right now. Of course you want to take action right now. Of course you want to help him right now. But I know you, you also want to help him long term. Do this right. It's hard to watch. But you don't just want to get him out of this. You want to save him. I'm just gonna uh, look the captain in the eye and, and say I'm going to give the chief and I 24 hours to test as many scenarios as we can. But then we have to try something. Alright, 24 hours. So be it. That'll give him time to heal from his reconstruction, but... If we don't move quickly, Doctor, it won't matter what his face looks like. Well, 24 hours, then. Show me what tested treatments you have. We are doing nothing without the preliminaries. You dot those I's and cross those T's, or I swear to starve. You have patients to take care of. We have a crew of 2,500. Yes, Captain. Of course, the safety of this Call me crew. when you have something. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna go to my medical staff. I'm just okay. gonna look at all of them and say uh, their orders are to keep Sorex completely stabilized and also quarantined. We can't have regular crew ran randomly coming into the med bay with like a sprained shoulder and seeing a Romulan hanging out on the bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, to keep I, him, yeah. I'm Go just ahead. gonna say this, because of the chain of events that have now taken place, it is, it, it is safe to say that we are now at the turning point for Sorex. 
as the dice rolls and, the, and the, everything is built up, tonight we have arrived at the critical moment of whether or not his story comes to an end. And this is going to depend largely on some extended tasks, and this is going to depend on some roles. This is this is what McCrell trained for, and this is what you have been preparing yourself for. Not and really. You and Chief Tech are going to have to do what y'all can. So this is going to be an extended task, okay. and then it's going to be another extended task. So we're going to do for the first time ever two back to back. Um, okay. Or actually, let's do this. Let's combine all of it into a single extended task mm-hmm. to encapsulate both the research, the implementation, and then. I'm guessing as players, are you going to decide now that dramatically the, the, the decisions that the crew is going to make is going to be, depending on the success rate of this, because here's the thing, if we combine both extended tasks into a single one, that means we're doing both the research and the treatment. But the treatment was contingent on the research. So we either do two back-to-back extended tasks or we do the big one. If we do the big one, then that's us deciding that the research yielded promising results, whatever the results are, that led us into the treatment, and then we play that out as a dramatic choice for the ship, and let's see what happens. My vote is for that one. Okay. If it weren't more reflective, like, they're reflective of two different sorts of approaches to this, and Sol was so clear that we can't combine them that I can't narratively justify doing the riskier combo, even though you know my heart, Xander. (laughs) Sure, let me, me, the way it would narratively fit is that if you agree to do both of them, the only reason why you would do both of them is that the results yielded the positive test result. Yeah. And so that the extended task is essentially to find out if the treatment was successful. And we remove whether or not the, the, uh, baking into the narrative is, the, whether or not the research was successful is kind of irrelevant at that right. point. It'll all come down to defeating the extended task. If you don't defeat it, then we say something went wrong. If you do defeat it, the research was successful that led to you successfully treating him. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not, you're not being penalized here. It's just, this is how the extended task will narratively explain the choices that are taking and- place on both, to can, sort of can combine it into one narrative thing. And As opposed just- to, having you do two extended tasks is really monotonous <laughs> and and lumping it into one actually covers the entire narrative choice. And also just to be clear to both you, Eric, and the rest of the crew, doing this will not cure him, right? Like it, it it's basically right. just stop what's happening and slowly starts helping. It's not gonna like fix him right away. It's not to like a- stabilize him yeah. long enough to go do the heist to get schematics so that we can actually implement the long-term fix. This is the stabilization mechanism right. where if we fail it, then the whole act three of it doesn't even matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Stable. So instead of, so to, to clarify again, the research, the research aspect of it will just feed into whether or not the treatment is successful. I'm not gonna have you roll for that. This is just the captain gave you the contingencies. We're going to say narratively, you're making the role based off of the fact that you met the captain's requirements and you decided to take the risk and do this with the backing of senior staff. Because you've met the requirements that the captain laid out before you. I need you to give me a risk reward scenario that makes sense that we can do this because I'm not putting my crew at risk. Okay, great. So in other words, if this fails, 
I'm not going to penalize you by having a Romulan Borg jump up and kill everybody. <laughs> it, this is Thanks. this is simply this is simply going to be a matter of whether or not the treatment is successful for Sorex. We're presuming okay. the maximally effective, safe treatment, and depending right. on how we do that is what. That's we how we're going to lump it all into one big extended task. So I'm and not I, gonna I'm not gonna not gonna GM like kick you guys while you're down kind of thing. Right. I mean, who would like I don't. I don't do that. I, I don't do that. I don't have that. No, certainly that ain't not. my style. That ain't not my style. What are the stats? Of not the letting thing? you go to sleep and have PTS dreams? <laughs> Maybe, but. Um, so, all right. So, so yeah, this is going to be a monster extended task. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, if you guys would please look in our chat that we use uh -huh. in the tech chat, I'm posting the link. To our extended our virtual extended task chart so use that to your advantage this is to save torex now you you are going to have um i, th I think this is going to be a situation where you're going to have limited attempts at this mm -hmm. right it's timed mm -hmm. this is going to be a timed extended task so let's set the base difficulty of what you're doing using Borg nanite technology in order to regenerate lost tissue in his brain and stabilize him. Yeah, like combining nanites and like a, what we'd use as a dermal regenerator, kind of like mesh. Borg nanites are known to do exactly with what you're proposing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. considering the uniqueness of this treatment, um, I think your trait, if it's, what was your, what was your talent that you, you had said before, Bonnie? That you had a you had a talent that was a, a, if you didn't quick know study. the species or if you didn't know the uh, quick study when attempting attacks that will involve unfamiliar unfamiliar medical procedure uh, ignore any difficulty increase. So I'm gonna let that apply here, Good. because this is the first time you have ever used Borg nanite technology to try to repair a Romulan brain. So this is absolutely a new area of medicine for you. Okay. And a lot of it's theoretical. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say the base difficulty of this, I was going to set it at five mm -hmm. because the enormity of the task that's in front of you, but I'm dropping it immediately to four because of your talent. Okay. And I'm going to use my focus of experimental medicine to absolutely, uh... absolutely applies. Mm -hmm. Um, because there is brain degeneration, there is going to be a resistance of two. Okay. And the magnitude of this is going to be six. Okay. Which means I'm going to say, considering the state that he is in right now, I'm going to say the amount of work that you get done because it's a time task, usually it's double the magnitude. Um, or I'm gonna say, or no, that's if it's a tight task. I'm gonna say it's triple the magnitude. Okay. You follow? So 18. Uh-huh. No pressure. Is the amount of work on that on that track. Okay. The that's Ross actually, is going that's to be actually a good thing. It means that relative to the magnitude, we burn through the work track. And once you do that, you get tons of breakthroughs once you've actually brought it all the way down. This is not a bad way for this to go. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And, and uh, unlike... 
Lacat, I did not spill my Roctagino, so I will be chugging it and ready to rock. All right, so you get in the medical staff here. Yeah. Let's go ahead, you and Tech working immediately, going in. Exio, Olin, everybody has been informed at this point that Sorex is undergoing a life-saving procedure, that there was a complication during surgery, and then an anomaly was detected in his brain, and they are implementing, based off of as sure as they can be, they are implementing experimental Borg nanite medical procedure in order to restore the mass that has been lost to his brain and stabilize him. So the whole crew at this point, the scuttlebutt around the USS Ross, it gets out. It was only a matter of time. But the crew starts gradually figuring out that Wellix is not Wellix. That Wellix is in fact Sorex, a Romulan operative. The general response that you get, Exio, as word begins to spread throughout the ship, and you too, Olin, being empathic, you are also getting a sense of this, but Ox crew reacts with deep concern. No one seems particularly shocked or immediately alarmed that there is a Romulan former Tal Shiar agent on board. Instead, everyone is asking questions. Is he okay when he's going to be out of surgery? Do we know what's going to happen to him next? Ox crew kind of starts asking the big questions of what they can do to help. Um, we have the best crew, y'all. Our <clears throat> best crew. I'd re I'm so sorry. I realized I was not fully prepared for experimental Bork medicine. Now <laughs> you I am. Go get your pencils. <laughs> all right. I have so many, and they will all die if you fail. <laughs> They're Mr. all Krell. going to die. They're all going to die. This is what's <laughs> on the line. We needed to put, uh, Jake, remind me next time for any of the watchers in our audience that are, are pencils, we need to put a maturity warning level on our on our game episodes. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is actually my first in where Sam is going to snap his pencil. Maybe. So, <laughs> I think we've right. one on the show so far. I'd have to ask Clear Sky stats. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right. So, uh, Bonnie, this is going to be your control medicine check. You are going to be assisted. I'm gonna let Chief Tech assist you. This is going to be uh, to reflect the research that was done and using his technical expertise. Mm -hmm. um, tech, you're gonna roll control plus engineering. And then the USS Ross is using her computers plus medicine. Okay. So you're all like the full weight of the skill and proficiency and care and technology of the USS Ross is now attempting to save the life of Sorex as he lays on the medical would, bed. Um, would it make sense for me to burn a value now or save it for later when you think I need it? I believe I it is probably better to build up a momentum pool because it is possible to get momentum choked at the beginning of an extended task and then constantly yeah. be trying to make it up so that you yeah. can continue getting the piercing. I think, and I haven't fully studied the optimization, you probably want to go it at the beginning. So uh, I'm going to burn a value with this as well. In that spirit, can I do a command role? Uh, rally, I believe, is the task to uh, help the crew. I'm going to ask that you role play it, but yes, if you will role play that with Dr. McCrell and Chief Tech, 
as they're about to go into surgery. Well, in that case, no, forget about it. You're like, (laughs) it's not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, Captain Soul (laughs) walks up to both of you and just says, listen, I don't really like Romulans. So if he dies, I mean, but yes, you can do, you can, if you want to talk to them directly before they go into surgery, you approach them um, as you see Macrella's getting into the proper suits, the contamin- the anti the, the contamination suits. Uh, Chief Tech, you also are getting suited up to go in. The glass wall immediately goes and dims down so that it becomes like a one-way viewing port. So you can look in, but they're in essentially like a blackened area now so they can focus as the lights begin to shine down and the data readouts, the holograms begin to pop up everywhere. What would you like to say to them? You're going to do it, you know. I can feel it like a premonition. An omnipotent, nigh-omnipotent entity told me this ship has destiny. And I admit, I used to think that that was ridiculous, but in this moment, I do. Uh. We're going to do this. I don't have to tell you that you can, because I know you will. I'm going to look the captain in the eye and be like, I would not accept any other option, captain. Go get him. Do they say anything else? Like, just for sure is going to happen? Oh, did you want those lottery tickets? I mean, yeah. Oh, well, I suppose you really better succeed at this then. Okay. Let me fix the interval readout because I just realized I didn't actually give you guys your intervals. I gave you the amount of work you needed to do on this, but I did not give right. you the time in which you needed to complete it. Right, right. So, um, why don't I? I'm going to adjust this. I'm going to reduce the work track down to 15, which is good. Three off. Um,. Okay, I am going to make this very difficult. So why don't do, here, I'm going to I'm going to adjust some of the numbers real quick. So here's the adjustments. Okay. The amount of work is 15. I'm going to drop the magnitude to five. Because that seems more fair. And I am going to set the intervals at 12. So by, by interval number tw- if by the time interval number 12 fills out, if you have not achieved the appropriate magnitude five successes, Wellex is going to die. Sorex will die on the table. Hmm. No pressure. As, as Chief Tech would say. Okay. okay We're going to say every interval is 30 minutes. Okay. May I roll rally? Oh, I'm sorry. Every interval is an hour. So um, this is going to be a very intensive surgery. Yes, go ahead and roll your rally check. Uh, I'll take one to get it back. Uh, okay. And I'm not in... Yeah. Okay, show me what you got. 
It's difficulty one, is that right? What is, how does the rally check work again? It's difficulty zero, as I recall. It, it really- Right, it's build, build momentum, right? is a momentum goose. Right. That's okay, entirely cool. different. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so we are currently at two because I'm, I'm grabbing three dice, partially because just you don't want an Orion to have a complicated, you don't want to have a complication. <laughs> right, You don't okay. want an Orion to go. Uh, but they're not in a room with me, so they're not technically green die eligible. Uh, okay. All right, uh, so that's only three from me, uh, unfortunately. So gain three momentum. Uh, unless I live really dangerously. Do you want to live dangerously, Sam? I absolutely do, because one of them was a 16, and I have a chance at critting on it. All right. Um, and actually, you know what? I'm not going to... I have a veteran talent. Um, I should throw a value in this. I'll do anything for my crew. Okay. Okay. Yes, you did refer to Sorix as your crew. Uh, so that's two plus two, and then the one that I'm re-rolling, which is now a crit. Oh, went from a 16 nice. to a five. Okay. Oh, bless it. All right, so that's uh, six total. We were at two, so it's four with a two bonus, which will allow me to create an advantage with those bonus momentum. Would you, you so you've got two? You could spin those two to get rid of the trait that I attached to the scene. Yeah, um, we can do, I mean, we can effectively remove that and it should do the same. If Does you that remove do the that same trait, thing relative to the difficulty level? Like yes, basically if it you remove that trait, I will drop the difficulty of the extended task by one because the rolling of the ship is affecting your ability to do the surgery. Perfect. All right, so the base difficulty has dropped from four to three now. And you are at full momentum. Woo! Go get him, Cation. Meow. So you are actually, at, now this is starting to look a little more helpful. <laughs> so, at about this point, up on the bridge, Olin and Exio and Lacat, everybody on the bridge, about this point, Vren, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Asmi Shanto steps off the turbo lift and walks very quickly down the ramp to face all of you and just says, <sighs> They're starting surgery now. Thank you for the update. Would you like me to keep all of you updated? That would be wonderful, thank you. And about that point, Vryn swivels around in his chair and says, Commander, look, as you part through the nebula, you all, to, to reflect removing that trait from the scene, after spending two days drifting into this nebula, you essentially enter the eye of the storm. Clear skies you, for surgery. As you break through this cloud cover, you find yourself, the Ross finds herself in what looks like a giant cloud shape, like a, a dome made of nebulous clouds. An open area of space within the nebula itself that seems to be rather unaffected by the turbulent aspects of it. Not only is that, but it's a spectacular view of what it looks like to be inside the heart of a nebula. This might be the open space where a star once lived before it imploded. Um, this open area could have been the remnants of a supernova. It's hard to say. This ne Motara class nebula is just this big pocket. So you are surrounded by the marbled lighting effects of the purples and the pinks and the golds all flashing with lightning and electricity and ionization all throughout the clouds. And the Ross gets still just as you break through. Good luck, Doctor. Make your roll, Dr. McCrell. 
your first roll for the first interval. All right. Keep uh, in mind, take... it does have a resistance of two. Yep, taking a momentum for an extra die. Uh, so I believe the um, consistence was to burn a value right away, yes? I will burn, uh, no amount of studying can replace hands-on experience because can't study this. Yeah, Aki, are you rolling for the Ross? Okay. Okay. So, so Aki, yeah, you're gonna be rolling you. computers medicine. Go ahead and make your roll. That's good. <laughs> Seven. I got two crits, a five and a four. Whoa. And a success with my value. So seven successes. All right. So y'all are going to explode with momentum. Oh, okay. We can create advantages now. Not only have we yes. removed complications, we can create advantages. We can use the qualities, most particularly piercing. Yes. Uh, but the, because this is an intervallic task, we can also cut that down. We have things we can spend this on. Also, just so that we get a number. So, uh, McCrell, did you get seven successes total, or is that adding the ship and from tech? That's seven, just me. I got two crits, so four, and then my value, six, and then one, and then an extra success, so seven. And then Aki got one, and I got one success. Eight, so nine. Wow, okay. Y'all are, y'all are approaching the critical limit of the most successes we've ever rolled in STA. I just um, clear Sky's record, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, if so, I didn't have that focus, it would not have, it, it would have been just three, so. So remind me, Xander, now she's going to roll two challenge dice plus her medicine skill? Yep. Okay. So you're going to roll seven challenge dice then. Mm -hmm. And this is going to determine how much work you do. And you can spend a lot of that momentum to manipulate the hell out of this. For example, reducing the amount of time this is taking. Okay. Right. We are at a total plus float of 10, I believe. Nine successes, difficulty four equals uh, five on up. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We're at nine because she took one for a dice, for a die. I want to take a picture of this because it's so pretty. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I only have five, I only have five um, dice or effects dice. So I'm going to roll, re-roll two. But I, mm -hmm. I got, uh, for the first five, I got one, two, three, four, five, six successes and one effect. And then I'm going to roll two to total it to seven. Just I'd like to point out that you can spend momentum to do additional work too, mm. if you want to attack that work track. So um, piercing and additional work are usually the best ones to do. And I think this applies because I assisted. My talent comes into play in the nick of time. So any uh, effect dice that you roll, you get plus one work to that. That, so... I, yes. I would, I would agree, yes, because you are assisting with this. You are, because of the arrangement that I reached with all of you, that this would be a single extended task roll, I will let you apply that as part of the research. So that gives me an extra success, is that what you said? Or effect? For each effect roll, you get plus so one work. When you roll your challenge dice, if you roll effects, it works like vicious, basically. You're gonna get plus one. So six successes and, and one effect was what all I right, rolled. All right, so that's a total of seven work. Uh, we're going to spend two of our floating for uh, piercing in addition to the one that we spent to re-roll uh, that die. So that's going to crack through the resistance completely and leave us with at least one more die, which I believe is what's required uh, to make this take half as long intervallically. Now, it is worth pointing out that because you rolled that much, you automatically get a breakthrough, which is gonna drop right. the difficulty by, or the magnitude by one. So the magnitude drops to four. 
That's amazing. This you is had, awesome. Eight, yeah, you had. Yeah. All right. Do we, do we go to the next interval? Uh, um, instead of you, using no, two you're still in the first interval because you spent that momentum to only take up half the time. Great. Mm -hmm. So this is the first thirty minutes of this procedure, as you're pulling out the Borg nanites and you're starting to slowly inject them into the uh, lower part of the cranium. You're also using electrical feeds to sort of feed it in, and you're using the technology that Tech is sitting there with the tricorder, basically following the programming of these nanites through the system. Go ahead and make your next roll. Okay, I'm gonna take a momentum. Really well done. Okay. Control medicine. Am I rolling the same thing? Uh, yes. Oh, definitely the same thing. That's four for me. Okay. Natural crit. That's another five, so breakthrough. Six, that's five successes, right? Oh no, you need, you need five successes on your challenge dice, not the, yeah. not the success roll. So. All right, so go ahead and you're gonna, that's more momentum for you. So go ahead and roll those challenge dice. I'm a good doctor. Okay. Uh, so we're presently at six momentum. Mm-hmm. Two, and then seven. So two successes and three effects. Okay. Three. Uh, do you want so... to send one for reroll? Yeah, um, if you want to. Yeah, that would be good actually. Either way. Uh, you have four left, uh, counting for the two we're spending on piercing. Okay. okay. Didn't do anything. So okay. same. Uh, two successes, three, uh, two successes, three effects. So five, six, so tell me how many total successes and then tell me the effects after. Five, uh, five with three five. effects. Sorry, I, I forgot that the- Six, seven, eight. So eight total work done. You're gonna spend momentum to get past the resistance again, I take it? Correct. Yeah. We just completed in an hour? I think so, according to my chart. <laughs> so. What was in uh, that no, rock you, No, no, no. You've, so you get a second breakthrough because right, you complete okay. the work track. Mm -hmm. So your magnitude drops. So your magnitude is one now. You need one more because you've got two breakthroughs just now. You had a mm -hmm. breakthrough before. It was magnitude five. So right now on my chart, I have it read that you have three or you have... Sorry, you have two more magnitude to defeat. No, because you filled out the work track. Yeah, so you get two more magnitude. The magnitude of this of this task is now at two. Okay. You need two more successes. Okay. I'll take and, a momentum for an extra die. And now we're moving into the second interval. That's correct. This is interval number two. It's been one hour of surgery. Okay. Oh, ooh, almost dropped that one. There's not an increased complication is there uh no no okay great no yeah, i haven't seen uh three for me oh, two no. you crit a, a two maybe the other way around oh a 20 <laughs> oh you rolled a complication so what about you tech zero okay so three successes and a complication okay so we do not succeed this one this one we don't succeed hubris <laughs> So that is actually, uh, that's going to cost you, um, that's gonna cost you, that's gonna cost you another interval of time. Because you rolled a complication and you failed. Um, everything seems to be going so well. And as you're tracking the nanites and you see them regenerating some of the brain tissue, you start seeing that some of the nanites just simply start to fail. 
It looks like some of them not knowing exactly. It looks like they're programming. They're either searching to rebuild. A few of them turn on each other and destroy one another. A few of the nanites continue working as needed. But you do notice that the limited supply of nanites you have, not all of them complete the task, stretching into three hours now. So we're at, from that complication, we're going to jump to interval number four. And you receive an update on the bridge, Exio and Olin. It's, first of all, at this point, Ox crew is on pins and needles because it's been a full two hour block with no news. Checking in from time to time, Captain uh, Shanto is giving you regular reports, coming back up to the bridge to let you know what's going on, letting you and Exio and Olin know what's happening, letting everybody that's up there. There's a, an interval of time where it's just really quiet. When Shanto reports back to the bridge, she just says, they had a complication with the nanites. Everything is okay, and he seems to still be stable for the moment. The surgery is proceeding, but they've had some pretty big setbacks. The doctor seems to be pretty hopeful, though. They're still well ahead of the curve, according to her. Thank you. Um, just a, just a quick reiteration to the room. Surgeries have complications. Our doctor is the best. Shanto looks like she was the one that was most nervous about this and she just and with that she says I'll um I'll be back with the next round of reports and she heads back to the turbo lift we should really program a drill or something to distract everybody Maybe light something on fire? Not again. Prawl, Prawl, you can hear the reaction from Prawl just behind Olin, just going. <laughs> you like to test my nerves, Captain. You really like to test my nerves. Wouldn't dream of it, Commander. Go ahead and roll again, McCrell. Here we go. Taking a die. Taking a minute momentum for an extra die. Right. The good news is, is, is you've filled out the work track, so any work you do now is a breakthrough. You guys are really close. All right. <laughs> Thank you One for my focus. From, Sa from Sally. Focus. One success from the Ross. You got five. Okay. Seven. Jeez, Bonnie. Total, this is total. What you do. With everything. Okay, total. Yeah, that, that wasn't right, just so me. That, I'm not that good. That juices up the pool again. So go ahead and roll your challenge dice. You're okay. already gonna get a breakthrough from this. If you if you roll five successes on these challenge dice, you will complete the work. Because you're no any work you do right now is an automatic breakthrough. Uh six successes, one effect. Okay. We spend the two for piercing so everything goes through. Okay. That's six that total. The, I, not, I assumed. Yeah, it's six total, not six and an effect. It's six, including me. Okay. Yeah. I'm bad at stating so things. We're at four momentum, right? Yeah. Six hours into surgery. I have us for two because we spent on piercing. I'm sorry. Yes. You were all sitting there watching the data feed on the wall. The exhaustion has finally started to set in, Chief Tech. 
You're starting to feel it. McCrell, on the other hand, has been a machine. Non-stop, she has been laser focused for six and a half hours and isn't showing any signs of slowing down or losing focus. She's staring at the wall right now. Her ears are just pointed almost forward as she's looking through the data feeds. A few of the nurses in there are just kind of watching by her side. Some of them bringing in drinks and whatnot to set them off to the side on uh, just outside the surgical area. Um, the data feed starts to register the nanite construction and the both of you watch with a bated breath until the data starts coming back in and you start seeing what looks like a green glow effect at the base of the skull. And to your shock, you actually start seeing a percentage point drop immediately of brain tissue that's being regenerated. And there's a, there's, a, there's a gasp when you begin to realize that not only was the procedure successful, but you're looking at the miracle and somewhat with horror at the precision and advancement of the Borg nanites as they essentially start recoding the exact physical structure of Sorex's brain as it was. Will it restore memory? You don't know, but they basically, these nanites begin to rebuild his brain. Having filled out the final encoded sequence and been given the final directions, the two of you watch. And just to make this even more stressful, just to make things more stressful for everyone who's waiting to hear news, but also because this is what you two would do, you, you observe for an hour to make damn sure that you the data that you're reading is real with a with a kill switch just <laughs> like and in that hour you watch 12% became 11% by the end of that hour you watch it become 10% you're watching the rebuilding of a brain right in front of you and it uh, becomes clear that he's stabilizing i'm going to look over to chief and um like grab his shoulder and um, be like, uh, your brother, Reku, worked under me for many years. I know, Doctor. He would have been so proud of you today. I'm not proud of myself. I used Borg technology to restore a Romulan. We used what we had to save a patient. Maybe that's where my brother and I are different. And Tech is gonna leave exhausted. Um, as he- data pad. As he leaves, I'm, I'm gonna, under my breath, say to myself, not different at all. And, and um, just keep staring at the wall with kind of like, kind of, sad about tech because I was actually really proud of him. So Shanto enters the room seeing tech leave and she has this horrified look on her face and she looks at you doctor. Um, I'm gonna for dramatic effect look with just this like blank face for a minute and then uh, slowly do the McCrell smile <laughs> that's kind of creepy and not good but it's actual pure happiness and uh, uh and say please let our captain know that sorax 
We'll be awake shortly. I think the captain would love to hear that from you, Doctor. You're right. And then <laughs> I'm gonna call the captain. You hear a chirping sound come through on the overcom. And so I think if we start the fire on deck 11... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, go for Captain Paul. Captain, this is Dr. McCrell. Uh, our I didn't patient. expect to hear from you so quickly. Yes, trust me, neither did I. <laughs> our patient is healing nicely. How did everything go? Unexpectedly quickly. <laughs> um, but I will have to say, I believe Chief De- Tech deserves a commuration. Commuration? That's not the one I'm looking for. Help me out. I'm, I'm messing up my flow. Commendation. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, my translator's not working. A commendation for his work today. He went above and beyond of what I asked. I think you both did. No, Captain, I'm just here to save my patient. I'll let you know when he's stable enough to awake. I'm proud of you. I'm actually pretty proud of myself too, Captain. I think I deserve a nice cup of tea. Yes, go. Have the tea. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. You've earned it. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'm just gonna be found. And I'm gonna actually make myself one of my specialties and just sit and wait and just watch the, the screens. While you have been conducting this intense surgery, life on the Ross has been continuing. The sick bay has still been in use. It kind of feels like you're leaving another world when you step out of the surgical bay, Dr. McCrell. And when you enter into the main sick bay, across the way, you see one of your nurses. Uh, Lieutenant Pira K. Uh, I'm sorry, Lieutenant Pira Kayim, mm-hmm. uh, one of your field medics who is currently sitting down having tea with what looks like an Andorian lieutenant, and it looks like they're studying medicine together, cybernetics. One of them's an engineering officer, clearly, but you can see these two officers are sitting there going over it. There's a few other people in here, one of them. Ha- you see one officer, a Tellarite, is complaining about a knee, and it's getting it fixed by one of the nurses. But as you emerge, this scene of seeing <clears throat> this Betazoid and this Andorian studying medical technology and cybernetics, glancing over at you and smiling and nodding, uh, Pira just says, Dr. McCrell, oh, is Dr. Wellix going to be okay? Yes, I believe he's going to be just fine. But uh, let's keep that ward of the medical bay off limits for now. He needs a little bit more recuperation. She glances over at the Andorian, a Lieutenant Chevalis, who also gives a big white tooth smile and nods to her. And we'll make sure no one disturbs him. Thank you. Um, the the ambiance of the med bay going about its business despite the fact that a life and death situation was just a a battle was just had 
in the next room is calming to you, McCrell, yeah. as I'm you're gonna... hearing the standard noises of a sick bay in use by its crew. In my mind, I'm just gonna think to myself, like, no matter how close death is, life goes on. I'm very poetic. You heard mm. what I said. <laughs> no one heard it, but I did. And I think it should go on a cookie. Okay. So by now, by the time Sorex wakes up, it's the end of Alpha Shift. And word passes leave. up through the ship as people are getting off duty that he is requesting to see Exio. Um, I just want to make aware that I didn't leave uh, Med okay, Bay. Okay, you stayed in Bay. And when he, when he awoke, I wanted to make sure um, uh, that I was there. And for I've always, to his face, called him Dr. Wellex. For, but mm -hmm. for the first time, I want to uh, put like a hand like on his shoulder and be like, Welcome back, Sorex. And um, and also put a mirror up so he can make he, see that the, the first thing he sees is that his face is also back. So this is what he does. He he looks at himself in the mirror and he just Sorex. And he touches the thick ridge on his forehead that angles down, giving that angular. His all of his features have always he's very he's very much looked like a sharp face. He has a sharp nose, angular chin, and then of course that sort of V-shaped bone structure that Romulans have. Some of them more pronounced depending on which side of the the world they're from. The others, his pointed ears. He looks at himself, runs his fingers through his hair, and just says, I would like to speak to Ambassador Olin, and I would like to speak to Commander Exio, please. Yes. And I'll, you'll be happy to know that both surgeries were successful. What do you mean, both? You had a complication when I was changing your appearance back. Chief Tech and I were able to do something a little bit experimental. Your brain deterioration should be stabilizing and repairing itself. You should have more control and more of your memories returning, hopefully. Well, not, this is all very new to all of us, but the good news is, is that I don't believe you'll be getting worse. How did you do this? Uh, I, there was a lot of hours. I'm not going to debrief you on that, <laughs> but remember when I told you that Chief Tech had worked on some regeneration alcoves that we found on a, on a prison moon? Alcoves. We've combined some of the technology with our dermal regenerators. I don't understand. We used Borg nanites to help regenerate your brain tissue. So he gets, you see an immediate reaction. You see his face fall suddenly and his eyes widen and says, you used what? You might not have, you might not remember the conversations we've had, but I had told you about this idea before. 
This was most likely the only way we were going to restore any burn activity. His head falls back against the bed and just says, I wish to speak with Ambassador Olin Marjanil and Commander Exio. Please. I will, I will call for them immediately. Then I do. And I stay close, just in case. Okay. So the word comes up from a rather unusual request that he's requesting the two of you by his bed. Are we still, are we all still sort of in that room waiting word with with all of the senior staff? I think I mean, the you senior- and I were completing commendation paperwork for two officers, but yes. Yeah. Sure. I, I was just wondering if anyone else was in the room. Like if I was in the room with Olin and we, we got it together, if, you know, if anyone else was still there. Well, as Shanto basically enters the room, uh, and as she steps in, you hear the chirping of the comm from Dr. McCrell. Okay. Um, is LaCat still in the room? Or did you go to bed? Mm-hmm. People get cat nap. LaCat nap. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, after she heard that Wellix was okay, she's like, and great. I'm out. Um, ju- I just wanted to add something before you leave. Um, uh, I would like to. I would like to sort of have an aside with you and ask if it and um, your permission. It, um, would like to ask if it would be all right if I sent you some literature tonight. Uh, she is. What well, that is the last thing she's except expecting, and like it take you literally see her do a double take of some sort. Just like the smallest one, because she thinks she's like it's at that level of sleep dep- deprivation where she's hallucinating. So the yes comes out slowly. All right, thank you. Good night. I'm going to sleep now. Good. And that's that's a really good reason to go to sleep. Um, but I do want to know what the literature is later. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> Ambassador? Shall we Up. go see what the hullabaloo is all about? Up to you, Commander. It's late now. Alpha Shift has, for the most part, is either retired to tin forward or is getting ready to go to bed as Beta Shift has already taken over for the evening. Um, the lights in the ship as Beta Shift has started in the corridors of the USS Ross has dimmed as they do when Beta Shift begins. Walking down the corridors of the USS Ross at this time of night is always a little relaxing. Walking past the plants that line some of the hallways and the big open areas with the seated areas that people can stop and rest and sit down. Um, the USS Ross makes excellent use of space, mostly because of it as an ambassadorial style ship. Um, a lot of the decks here are a lot more aesthetically pleasing, and they do have a calming effect as you all move through. However, neither one of you feel that sense of calm as you're approaching the sick bay. As the doors to the main sick bay open, you see the, the room in here is actually well lit as it would need to be for being a sick bay, but it is mostly empty since the beginning of the ship. You can see on the other side of this wall of glass in the quarantined area, a few of the surgical beds, one of them holding what is clearly the same Romulan that you saw back on Earth. 
and it immediately sends a flood of memories back into you, Olin. Yeah. Of the first uh, yeah. time you met him. Yeah, I, I want to not reach out for your hand, but hover the warmth of my hand near yours. Um, just as a slight awareness that I understand that this is probably making you incredibly uncomfortable. I want you to just just a an awareness that I want you to know that I am not unaware how brave you are being right now. Um, I think Olin just sort of like kind of just gives you a side glance and kind of just nods and sort of indicates that you can you can move. And with um, the nod of of uh, of go ahead from Olin, then um, I will lead us into the room with Sorax. You step into the room, it is just a lot of you. McCrell is in sickbay. She is sitting in her desk right now. Having anticipated the two of you arriving, she watches with those big, beautiful cat eyes as the two of you move into the room. The door closes behind you. Sorex is clearly in a weakened state. You see all of his life support information up on the wall. You also see probably one of the most detailed brain scans he's ever had in his life currently. Um, circulating on what looks like a three-dimensional holographic display about six feet behind him. It's constantly monitoring. What you all see as you're walking into the room, aside from him just laying there with his eyes looking straight up at the ceiling, the fact that there's this very handsome angular Romulan, the one that you saw from before back on Earth, laying there with sort of an expressionless face, but on the wall behind him is the clear indication of his brain being reconstructed by Borg nanites and the life support monitors are watching it happen. 8%. Um, McCrell, I'm gonna give you this. It's been marvelous to watch it happen. It's happening faster than you thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> um, as the two of you enter, his head very weakly rolls over and he looks at both of you and it takes him a moment to blink in order to focus on, on both of you and he seems to acknowledge who you are how do I look like before like yourself I regret everything I have said about the Federation not just to you, but in my youth, in my training as an officer, the conditioning that I received as a Romulan warrior of the Star Empire. We are wrong about you. We all have the capacity to keep learning and educating others about our experiences. And I'm happy to learn that your experience with us has been one for the better. Ambassador. I owe you my life. I chose you because I knew you would help me. 
I believe you told me that you saw me as an easy mark. Yes. Yes. But I was the one who was desperate. I was the one who was desperate. Well, it's a good thing that your instincts served you well. They are the only thing that has gotten me through all of this. <laughs> I believe I remembered things. Yes. Anything in particular you want to discuss? Dreams. I had dreams while I was unconscious. Yes, we have them all recorded, if you'd ever like to revisit them. No, no, I had dreams while Macrell fixed me. You did? That kind of perks excellent. Yeah, <laughs> lean forward. Um, yeah. I think they were memories. Flashes. Things that I suddenly realized. Yes. Ambassador, your father, he is a target of the Tal Shiar, not for assassination, for recruitment. Excuse me? Your line. I don't know. It may be a false memory. But he is one of the reasons why I chose you for help. Quick question. Hmm. Based on all of my, just, just if, if something pings, Yes, and we don't have to linger on it, but in all of my research of finding out what the Romulan ambassador's um, career path has been like, has he, have I been tracking any contact with um, Olin's father? Um, nothing on the surface has flagged, no. That okay. would definitely have jumped out to you. Yes, exactly, which is why I'm, I, I have been researching off the side, but we haven't discussed what that research has been, so I just wanted to make sure that that didn't ping right now <laughs> Great. After a moment passes of this tense silence, he adds, I remember being told that he could be a possible asset. For what? I don't remember. But I do know now my family was a lie. There is no one for me on Romulus except 
her. And that's when his eyes roll over to you and says, the woman, the face. I don't know who I am to her, but it is Sila. And the man is Mindak. I am important to them for some reason. I can see their faces now. Then they are no longer ghosts. With that, he leans back onto the bed and closes his eyes. We'll let you get some rest. I'm glad you're... Glad you're healing. I think that... Yeah, Olin just turns around and and immediately starts to leave. There's just this swish of the white robes as Olin just pivots and walks straight out the door. Yeah, I'm gonna let them process that before I start immediately attacking them into work mode. I'm going to let them just... Okay. I'm going to let them marinate on... That That, Mc- that was a terrifying thing to learn, so I'm going to let them sort of process that how they need to. McCrell, you smiling, and then as you see Olin just storm out of the room, go straight to the sick bay door and vanish in a flow of robes behind them. You see me, like, trying to say something like... Mm. Don't. It's just... Like trying to say goodbye as Olin leaves and just <laughs> XEO following just Yeah. Okay. As that alpha shift comes to an end. I wanna end this episode where we began. You lay down in your bed, Lacat, and you stare up at the ceiling. The sedative medication that was prescribed to you by McCrell is by the bedside, along with an empty cup of Ractuccino. And as you're sitting there laying on the bedside, there's no more thunder outside. There's no more rolling of the ship. As the USS Ross drifts lazily through the eye of this great solar storm, this great nebulous storm, outside is completely calm. And for a moment, there's this brief surge of anxiety like when you're on an airplane and you're afraid of flying and you're calm and then you start freaking out that you're not freaked out (laughs) because then you won't be ready (laughs) there's this instant like instinct of just and just as that begins to surge up inside you just as you begin to feel those cold pricks on the back of your neck as you feel that cardassian blood go into instinct mode you are immediately jolted as a very agitated, sleepy creature jumps up onto your chest and coils up right underneath your chin and lays this tiny little chin down on top of yours. And without a second thought, finds that little crook on your chin that Cardassians have, that little groove that fits 
Orwell's chin perfectly and just kind of with no consideration for you at, a, at all. Absolutely not. He's probably already asleep. You can feel the two little tiny jet blasts of air come out of his tiny lungs and through his nose as he just goes <sighs> and eyes close. And for a second, as you're looking down at Orwell, it takes you a moment before you hear And just like that, you find yourself drifting off. And that's where we end tonight's episode of Clear Skies. I wanted Orwell. <laughs> you guys, no joke, you just oh. saved Sorax's life. His brain is no longer deteriorating. He's not in immediate irreparable danger anymore. He is, now we're in recovery mode. Everyone had a great, happy episode, right, Olin? <laughs> um, seriously, though, we have hit another uh, another XP moment for the crew, especially now. Um, so at this moment, I'm going to be announcing this on the Discord server. But for those who are interested, I'm going to be throwing out some bonuses to our Ox crew who play on our League of Whimsy slash Streampunks Discord server to let everybody know um, that at this stage in the mission of the USS Ross, everyone has advanced somehow. Everyone has learned a little bit more. Everyone's gained a little more experience. Everyone's learned how to fire a phaser a little sharper. Everyone knows a little bit more techno babble. Everyone's learned a little thing or two about cetacean ops. People now understand how holograms work. People are doing a better job at making drinks on the, on the promenade. Yeah. Like, at this point, the US, the crew of the USS Ross has become a well-oiled machine, my friend. And it when the news gets around that Sorex has been saved, there are already uh, Sorex, there are already parties being planned around the Ross on off-duty hours where blue drinks are served, but they are not Romulan ale. They observe Federation law. <laughs> Solas can help them out with that. <laughs> so That'll bring our episode, the curtain down on tonight's episode. Great game, y'all. Great game. <laughs> More mysteries to be had out there. Um, we'll see what happens next. I'm particularly curious as to what's going to go on with Olin and, uh, and I know, I, I know, Exio and the captain have been planning something. So I'm really curious to find out what y'all have got cooking. That doesn't sound like something I would do. Yeah, that's a good point. Does that sound like something I would do? The cook is obviously Xander. It's tech. I, I apologize. The cook is tech. I apologize. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the story of Clear Skies. We will catch you back here at 6.30 p.m. next Monday night. Until then, everybody, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>